this irrational exuberance is where I'm like, you know what? Sometimes, everyone, calm the fuck down. This stuff is not promised to you. Number will not always go up. It is not guaranteed to hit 100 grand, 288 grand, whatever fucking number you want. And even if it does hit a million dollars, you wonder what a million dollars will be worth at the time. Hello there from Bedford. How are you all? Welcome to the What Bitcoin Did podcast, which is brought to you by the Mighty Kraken, the best place to buy, sell, and trade Bitcoin. I'm your host, Peter McCormack, and today I've got an interview with Rusty Russell to discuss shit Bitcoiners say. But before that, I do have a message from my amazing show sponsors. So come on, let's talk about Casa, who are the very best in Bitcoin security. And I am a customer. I became a customer a few months ago. I knew it was time to get my Bitcoin security sorted. So I reached out to the team and they set me up with one of their multi-sig wallets, which I'm very happy with. I'm very happy that I have now protected myself from hackers, personal mistakes, in-person attacks, device failure, and so much more. And listen, it's a really good time to be thinking about your Bitcoin security with a potential bull run come in and the price going well. You never know what your Bitcoin might be worth in a few months, certainly within a year. So it's worth getting your security in place. And with Casa, they do have a product for every Bitcoiner. So with Casa Gold, you get triple the security of a hardware wallet, and that's for only $10 a month. With Casa Platinum, you get their 305 multi-sig, which is the best protection for large Bitcoin holders, and that comes at a really great price. And with Casa Diamond, you get the full Casa offering including a customized personal security review, inheritance planning, and of course, their best-in-class security. There is no better time to upgrade your Bitcoin security and get total peace of mind. Find out more at keys.casa, which is K-E-Y-S dot C-A-S-A. Also, let's talk about sportsbet.io, who are the best place for online gaming. Now, are you enjoying the return of football? Are you watching Liverpool march on, gradually staking their claim for another Premier League title? I am. And I've also enjoyed the return of the Champions League, which I also expect Liverpool to win. Now with that and the return of the Europa League, my sponsor Sportsbet.io is welcoming back the competition with a special offer for all you footy lovers. They are offering a number of missions whereby if you hit a streak during the competition, then you can earn up to one Bitcoin in cash prizes. Just head over to Sportsbet.io forward slash promotions to opt in and view the terms of the promotions. If you want to find out more, sportsbet.io is S-P-O-R-T-S-B-E-T dot I-O. And also, we're going to talk about Least Authority, who came back as a sponsor on the podcast last month. And now, this is for you techies out there, those of you who are building and creating the applications. Least Authority is a security consulting company who is pushing the limits on how to build privacy-respecting solutions. They specialize in security audits, design specification reviews, and security by design. And they can help you improve the security of your wallet application, key management solution, layer 2 protocol, P2P network design, use of cryptography, and so much more. Now, if you want to boost your security strategy, well, you can arrange a no-obligation call to find out how Lease Authority can help you on your next project. Just head over to their website, hit the schedule a call button, and that's at leastauthority.com, which is L-E-A-S-T-A-U-T-H-O-R-I-T-Y.com. Okay, so onto the show today, and I am joined by Lightning Developer and the man behind the account on Twitter, Shit Bitcoin to say, one of my favorite people in Bitcoin, Rusty Russell. Now we have been talking about this show for a while. Me and Russell have been we've been shooting back DMs, talking about the show, and we eventually sat down and did it. And as you know, in a few of my previous episodes with the likes of Giacomo, Neil Woodfine and Andreas, I've been looking at the strict narratives around Bitcoin and toxicity. 
and they all made really good points and they were all you know really good shows but at the same time i also feel it is okay to question narratives you know some hardcore bitcoiners hold some pretty fierce and strong views and you know don't take criticism well and that's fine you know i i come around to a lot of ideas eventually myself but there are some bigger topics regarding scaling and the fee economy and you know what will happen when you know subsidies are low so i felt like rusty with his contrarian views would be a good person to get on the show and talk about this because he isn't afraid to call people out especially some of the more overzealous and outlandish claims that we may see out there on bitcoin twitter so in this episode we do get into rusty's career as an open source dev and how he found bitcoin we talk about scaling and the fee market and of course we get into some of the shit that bitcoiners say so i hope you enjoy this episode if you've got any feedback you've got any questions you can reach out to me my email address is hello at whatbitcoindid.com also if you head over to my other show defiance.news a couple of things there firstly episode six of my series about galane maxwell is now out that's approaching 300,000 downloads which is you know it's amazing so definitely go and check that out and also my new series about donald trump's about to start i'm just about to release a trailer about that but it's not the story i set out to make it's going down this kind of weird new journey but you know really interesting all the same outside of that have a great week and i will see you all on friday how are you man you well yeah good i am i am good it's actually the first week of school holidays here so you know i spent the day with the kids and you know it's nice weather nice. so we went for a ride and everything they weren't all that keen about that but i did say hey we'll, we'll ride to the chocolate factory and then that kind of got them out of the house and yeah so that was good yeah good good times what, what time is it there uh it is 7 30 p.m so it's it's late you're having am, coffee I am actually having a coffee, and I would not normally do this, but I want to stay awake for this because, you know, you throw some curveball questions in there. I'm really comfortable talking about tech stuff, right? So people want to ask me questions about lightning or, you know, the Bitcoin protocol and stuff like that. That's great. But, you know, a broader ranging conversation, you know, I want to be on the ball because it's, you know, it's you're always best off talking about something that's like your home ground. If you wrote some piece of software and people want to talk about it, great, easy, right? If they ask a question you can't answer, it's because it's a really good question, right? When you go outside your area of expertise, you got to start, you know, you got to stay awake, right? Because next thing you know, there's a 30-second soundbite out of you saying that, you know, Ethereum was like lipstick on a pig, and that's it. That's what you'll be known for, right? <laughs> so you're worried you I'm going to fuck that, with right? you. Gonna... <laughs> no, this is all going in now, man. You're going to have to fuck with you. Well, the one thing we can talk about is uh, NFTs, because I've been uh, – I have this weird ability to trigger people uh, – and they think I create drama on purpose. I don't. I just put a thought out there and like just it triggers and then a big debate starts and then everyone <laughs> calls me a boomer and a fucking moron. But I've been dealing with NFTs. But uh, but that's, I just want to talk about the coffee because I gave up coffee yeah. how long ago? Had I given up last time we spoke? I can't remember. I think you'd given up alcohol. I don't know that you'd given up coffee. You're doing like, you know, I think that's insane. Only try to... Yeah, everything in moderation, right? Even moderation. Mm, I've done nine days now without coffee, and <coughs> wow! Uh, I tell you the weird, I tell you the weird thing. I'm having the weirdest dreams, dude. The weirdest <laughs> dreams. I had a dream the other night where I was living in like this dystopian future, and I committed like one of these future crimes. I don't know what it was, but they were going to terminate me, and I basically died. So I basically got executed in it, and I felt my body shutting down. And the moment I died in the dream, I woke up. It was so weird. I've had weird <laughs> dreams since giving up coffee. That's, so I don't know what that shit does uh, to you. 
you've talked you've, you've talked me out of ever giving up uh, that's for sure hmm. yeah now i'm just having water it's so boring <laughs> anyway man we, we should talk bitcoin we should talk nfts we should definitely talk lightning Actually, let's start on lightning like where where okay. are we at with that and mike my i don't really know but my thing with lightning at the moment is i always just refer back to myself i'm, I'm very transparent about how i use bitcoin it pisses people off yeah i don't know what an xpub is sorry and like uh, I've got my security practice in place. I don't really understand privacy as much. I just I use Bitcoin quite casually, and I know that tr- pisses people off. But you know, fuck them. Um, but I my thing with Lightning is is I don't have a need for it right now. So I I have a need for Bitcoin, a, a genuine and, yep. and definite need. I invoice in part Bitcoin, like I've told this before. Uh, I pay people in Bitcoin. I tip in Bitcoin. Like I use it, and I, I'm I'm happy to use it. I like Bitcoin. It's I think. It, I actually use it both as a store of value and a medium of exchange. And for both purposes, I like it. It works for me. I don't have a use case for Lightning right now. I have used it. People have tipped me and stuff. But, you know, and perhaps if I owed somebody like... Actually, a couple of times I paid people in Lightning because it's been like five bucks I've had to pay them for something. So it's not worth paying the on-chain transaction yeah. fee. And I, I, I have a wallet with some Lightning in, with some Lightning Bitcoin. Yeah. But but like I don't have an ongoing need, and I imagine I think that's going to be evolving need that like as Bitcoin grows and more people are using it, then perhaps I will use it more. But right now I don't have a need, so I've not been really following what's been going on. My only thing I've noticed is the bloody Ethereum guys saying, "Well, we've got more wrapped Bitcoin on Ethereum than there is locked up in Lightning." Blah blah blah, and that kind of bullshit so what's what's going on where are we up with lightning man so this is, as, as this is a good question in fact my my question about lightning was never really about the tech like you know there are tech problems we'll, we'll sort them out we'll work our way through right but it was always like if we build it what happens if nobody comes right what if we build this great fast payment rail thing for for, for bitcoin and Turns out there wasn't much, you know, maybe the store of value thing dominates. Maybe everyone's like, well, why would I spend Bitcoin? Because all I do is basically buy it and put it in my cold wallet um, and crack it open like a piggy bank, right? I don't actually want to pay people in, in Lightning. The other problem is that Lightning's different. So Lightning enables use cases that are not there today, right? So if you are if you have a Lightning wallet, you can receive as well as send, right? Uh, Things are really asymmetric in most worlds. So if you look at like Visa, MasterCard, there's a huge difference between getting a credit card and getting, uh, becoming a, a, a payment provider, right? Becoming uh, uh, someone who can receive credit card payments. These are completely different things, right? Their whole industry is built up around helping you receive credit card payments, right? Because it's hard. On Lightning, there's no difference, right? If you can send payments, you can receive payments. It's pretty much the same, right? Um, so there is. So so the problem is now you're creating an industry for things that didn't exist before, and since they don't exist, they're not going to like jump on like, oh, great, we'll just pivot to this. Oh, there are probably a few users that go, great, cool, then Lightning's perfect. But the real use cases for Lightning will be things that don't exist today, right? And how long will it take somebody who had that in their head, they really wanted to do something, but they couldn't. They went, oh, no, fuck it, it's not going to work. It's just not going to work. And then they find out about Lightning and they go, oh, well, that's the missing piece, right? That's what I needed. Wow, I can build it. And everyone goes, wow, that's awesome. And everyone starts using it, right? So you're kind of building this industry for payments and it's got these capabilities that we haven't really had before. And, and society shapes itself around what it has. And so those businesses don't exist. The businesses that would allow you to tip five cents a minute, they simply do not exist. 
right? Because it doesn't make sense at the moment. Well, it does now on Lightning, but it doesn't magically create an industry overnight, right? Somebody's got to come up with a killer use case and go, oh, well, that actually makes sense now, right? So when you have a completely different style of payments, it, it's actually harder, right? If you, were just, if you just had like a PayPal clone, well, it'd be pretty easy, right? You get your business plan, you steal their customers, maybe it's cheaper, whatever it is, right? Um, that's a straightforward path. You can see that would succeed or fail. But when you've got something that's really different, it's just weird. Like, you know, and, and on the surface, it's kind of like credit card payments, but on the other hand, it's completely different. There's no credit involved. You actually receive the cash. You're holding it in your hot little hand before you give over the goods. And, you know, for some use cases, I can imagine that would be incredibly compelling. But those use cases don't exist yet because if you needed that, well, you were fucked already, right? You didn't have anything, any way of doing it. Mm. So Lightning has this kind of bootstrap problem, right? Um, and like any tech project, right? This stuff takes longer. You know, the paper dropped over five years ago. Oh, cool, we could do this. Right, but actually making it work, actually getting all the stuff in place to make it work and robust and everything else, and it's still not there. Right, there's still robustness stuff that that I want to see fixed, and, and all the devs want to see fixed. There's still more privacy stuff I would like to go in. Hell, Taproot will make things you know, will give us a shitload more work. But you know, there are a whole heap of cool stuff we can do once we've got that. It'll make it more private and everything else, better on chain footprint and everything else. So there's there's a whole pile of stuff that we still want to do on the tech side, but then there's this whole other side of like, who's going to actually use it, right? You know, recently we enabled, you know, multi-part payments, which means that it used to be pretty much, if you want to pay 10 bucks, you were good. If you want to pay 100 bucks on Lightning, now you are in trouble, right? Now you were struggling. That's kind of gone away recently, right? With multi-part payments, you can do a $100 payment without really a problem. So that, that has opened up a few new use cases. But at the $100 point, we'll just fucking use Bitcoin, right? I mean, for most people, it's like, well, that's, you know, that's established, right? Why would you, if, if the use case for Lightning is those cases where you'd make Bitcoin payments for the same amount, why bother with all the tech? Like, what's the point? So, you know, this 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 really, like from a technical point of view, I'm like, oh, thank God, thank God we haven't onboarded like a hundred million people yet. That would be a nightmare, right? Just, just all the support issues. But on the other hand, you know, so, so you're always like, oh, it's no, not ready. It's not ready, but it's never fucking ready, right? There's always something else you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Uh, the question of like who is going to end up using it, I, you know, I do not have a crystal ball. I suspect there may be somewhere where the cool thing is receiving payments. The cool thing may be the ability to receive payments without permission. Everyone thinks of like we have this like there are a few vendors and there's a lot of people paying, right? Because that's the way that the field is slanted at the moment. But it's not necessarily that way. And in Lightning, if you've got a Lightning node, you can receive as well as send, right? So there's no difference. You know. So maybe the killer use player case is going to be something where people are actually receiving small amounts of money. You know, maybe that's going to be a thing. You know, I honestly don't know. And my previous experience with with building tech mm-hmm. is that, you know, open tech particularly that anyone can go and use is what will happen is someone will use it, and either you will go, "Fuck, that is brilliant. Why didn't I think of that?" Or you will, or you will go, "That is the stupidest thing ever. No one is ever going to use that, and you will be so wrong." Right. So you know. It, I, I know mm. from previous experience, it's outside my skill set. I can build these things. You know, I can make them work. We can refine them and go everything else. But if someone else is going to come in and they're going to go, hey, I've actually got the killer use case for this. And I do not know what it is. And I don't know when it'll be. Right. So, you know, we will iterate. We'll get more users. You know, people get better with onboarding and stuff like that. And, you know, it may just naturally grow like that. But at some point, there will either be a killer use case or they won't, you know. We'll be going, we'll go, oh, it's been 10 Whoa. years. We're still waiting. Right. <laughs> Maybe no yeah. one's I mean, the Bitcoin. litmus test is porn. 
The, the limit test is porn. Porn doesn't take it. You're fucked. <laughs> so, well, nothing's uh, porn and drugs, right? I mean, porn and drugs, I, I happen to be, I happen to be uh, a strong believer. I know you've you've had some personal experience with you know having to get uh, medication that was not available otherwise. I personally feel that you know uh, our drug laws are completely out of control. So I have no ethical issues with with people using um, you know internet money to to to. To, to get their needs met or, or find things that they want. And, you know, you've, you've got to be pretty robust. You've got to be pretty private uh, in order to get that. You know, but that tends to be to be bigger amounts. But, you know, maybe it doesn't have to be. You know, maybe you just buy weed over lightning, right? And it's, it's you know, 20 bucks or whatever. So, you know, I, I think these use cases are probably things that we will see. But, you know, you need a fair bit of yeah. infrastructure before you can get to that, right? Uh, you've kind of got Bitcoin already, so that's your competitor in those, those cases, right? Uh, are you better than Bitcoin? Yeah. And are you, it's a smoother experience, right? So I've been working on offers, uh, which is like a second level invoice, which does a whole heap of cool stuff, right? It just, it, it's a much more natural kind of thing, right? If you want to receive payments once a month for something, you have an offer and it does it all for you, right? And your wallet then handles requesting invoice and doing all that stuff. But from a user point of view, it's way nicer, right? Um, and there's a whole heap of tech that has to go into that that we've been slowly building. So, yeah, exactly what will make us turn the corner? I see improvements in the Lightning Network every every month. Um, you know, we have these spec meetings. People work on fantastic stuff. Lightning Labs are doing great work. Uh, Async are doing great work. There's other teams as well producing stuff. Some of it deep tech stuff. Others, you know, other real use cases and stuff like that. Which one will take off? You know, God knows. Everyone talks about they want paywalls to go away. They want to pay for paywalls. It's kind of like, ah. But people need the... The, 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 the main problem with Bitcoin is it's not... It's not the money you have in your pocket, right? That's the main hurdle, mm-hmm. right? You don't have it. You know? and, and for technical reasons, it needed to be its own currency. But if someone had, if, if Satoshi Nakamoto had come up with a method of like transferring USD around the world in an uncensorable manner and everything else, that would have won. I have no doubt, right? Um, that would have been a way well, easier I sell. know what you're saying. Because like I've I'm increasing all my subscriptions like for content now because there's so many paywalls, um, but uh, you, yeah. like uh, we're a long way from someone like the New York Times going yeah well let's just add lightning and you know we're a long yeah. way from them caring about something like this because there's so many different hurdles to, to go through but the main issue is volatility but like isn't what Jack Mallers because I haven't taken too close a look at Strike yet but isn't that what yeah. he's kind of been doing with Strike. Yeah, look, and you know, uh, you could argue it's too early, but you know, he's definitely bridged that gap, right? Uh, kind of going, you know, you can accept Lightning, and they can use a credit card, and it all just works, right? Um, that's yeah. that's amazing, you know. And there are certain industries where I can imagine that that is incredibly powerful, right? Um, and that's that's I find the thing I find interesting is it comes back to the point about that's enabling vendors, right? Um, you know, that that's vendors loving Lightning because they don't have to ask anyone's permission, they don't have to sign up for an account, they don't have to, you know, talk to their bank or get a put of sale system or anything like that. They basically just accept this in a way they walk, right? Um, so, so joining that gap is really interesting. Whether the timing on that is right uh, is, you know, another question. Because in certain certain niches, right, that that could be huge. Um, I think what Jack is doing is great, and I'm a huge fan. But um, I don't know if that is. Is that you know? Is that the thing that's going to make it take off? Because volatility is not really an issue for them because it's kind of you know you're paying right now, so it's adjusted to whatever yeah. currency. Yeah, you know, it might um, be a case of just like it's a time thing. I don't think I'm alone in like in my Bitcoin experience in that the Bitcoin I have is like 
distributed in multiple places. I have my long-term cold storage, multi-sig, geographically distributed. You're not you're not getting your hands on my Bitcoin stuff. But like I also have, you know, a small amount like available to me and I have a small amount in my Lightning wallet because I have a I wouldn't say a daily need, but a, a weekly need for Bitcoin. There are things I have to have it for now. And I guess maybe over time there will just be transactions that will just be easier to do from the the what I keep in my Lightning wallet. It's just gonna be yeah. like, yeah, just send me a send me a Lightning invoice. That's gonna be easier. And maybe it's one yep. of those things that will just grow over time. Is it like yep. is it one of those things you're all talking about? Is it is there any part of it that's like demotivating because it hasn't seen this take off yeah so much more has gone into it beta i'm old right so i didn't expect this to happen in five years right so so i kind of went through this before right with linux where you know it went from this crazy hippie idea that fuck that's that's not how you make software you don't get these bunch of hippies over the internet these bunch of failed you know, procrastinating students to write your operating system. That's just not how it works, right? <laughs> you know, operations are written by big corporations, they're big machines and everything. You just, you know, seriously, get real, right? That story has changed, right? Nobody bats an eyelid now. People use Linux because it's the best tool for the job. But it took 25 years, right? It took a generation uh, inside IT. Now you're looking at changing people's money, right? Short of a crisis that makes everyone move faster, right? That is also going to take a generation. Right. Bitcoin is still this new, young, 11-year-old kid that may not be around tomorrow. You know, you don't it's, – it's still an experiment. And you talk to the – it's interesting. A, a dev said to me, like, a, just, a, you know, a, a couple of weeks ago, said, it's crazy that this, like, beta experiment that we have is, like, holding billions of dollars on it. So, yeah, there's – you know, what is, uh, what is the deal with Linux? I've never used. I, I literally never. Okay, this, probably, this is probably the latest thing people will get angry about. But that I won't understand. I've never used Linux in my. I mean, I might have without knowing it. But like, I was a. I was a like a Windows PC kid growing up, and now I'm a Mac guy, right? And I know that people are like, oh, but you shouldn't use that for privacy, blah blah blah. I don't. I don't care. It's like it works for me. Works for my family. I've never touch linux ever i wouldn't i wouldn't even know what i'm doing i'm sure it would be like me looking at like an android phone i'd look at my go oh, what where are the apps where's word <laughs> how well, do i do it Excel spreadsheet? it would literally be like looking at an android phone because android is actually linux underneath right so and this right, is okay. this, this is there's a lesson here right because in so so linux started like 91 i, I was a late comer to linux right i wasn't really really hacking on it until 97 so six years in right and, you know, uh, in 97, it was like, we're going to take on the, in Microsoft. We knew who the enemy was, right? Linux was going to take the desktop from Microsoft, right? You know, they had like a 90 plus percent market share. That was going to be Linux's. Of course, everyone's going to see the light. We're all going to change, right? And we knew exactly who the enemy was and what we were doing. This was very motivating. This is what we were aiming for, right? And it never happened, right? It never, it still hasn't happened, right? It's still 1% market share, right? Um, just, just above the noise floor of market share, right? Um, we exist and you can find people who use it. And that's about all you can say. And that's after 25 years. But all 500 of the top 500 supercomputers run Linux, right? Which we never kind of saw that coming. Um, you know, when, when you know, Google needed a competitor to the iPhone because the, the, you know, the smartphones were a thing, uh, they chose Linux as their base, right? So... So we kind of won in these two areas that, you know, never were never on the plan. And we sucked at the area that we thought we were doing. And that's the thing I always take home from the Bitcoin experience, right? It's like, 
everyone's sure that we're either overthrowing the government or we're defeating Visa or MasterCard, PayPal, whatever it is. And I was sure as well in the next days of what we were doing. And it turned out we built something really cool. People went and did things we didn't expect with it. And it did nothing that we expected. Just really cool stuff. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I loved Linux. Um, I had an amazing career uh, developing it. It was, it was fantastic being a, a core Linux developer. Um, but yeah, it, it was such a trip because it was never where we kind of expected to be, right? Uh, but you know, well, but what is the deal with Linux? Like, what? Yeah, but why do people like you love Linux? Like, what, what is the di- why is it different from say a Mac or a PC? Because I have no idea. I just know like it is like the nerd choice of PC. Yeah, it is because it's like it's it's, it's open source, right? So it's parts exposed. So if I really need to, I can I can in theory dig down and figure out exactly what's going on, right? And if you're a developer, that's like that's great. You can go as far deep into it as you want and figure out what's happening, right? Um, you know, and and so it, to to understand, so so remember that the previous attempt, the previous major attempt prior to Bitcoin, of building open source cash peer-to-peer cash was DigiCash, right? And that was, you know, the mid-90s. This is pre-Linux becoming a big thing and kind of dominating the industry as the poster child of open source and free software. So, you you, you know, you did your proprietary thing, right? That's how you did stuff back in those days. The idea of releasing the source code so anyone could use it and anyone could host it, was that wasn't a thing back then. So, of course, David Chaum, DigiCash did this centralized thing because that's how you did stuff, right? The world has changed so much that there wasn't, you know, fast forward 2008, of course, Satoshi Nakamoto releases, releases as open source because that's the new reality that everyone expects stuff to be open source. They can expect, inspect it all, right? And the poster child of the open mm-hmm. source movement is Linux, right? Because it's all open source and you can go in and hack on it and, you know, and, and, and fix it or break it and do whatever you want. So if you're a dev, that makes a huge, huge difference to you, right? You don't hit this brick wall, right? So if I'm working on Windows, I find a bug or something, I'm like, what the f-? No idea. I have no idea what's going on inside, right? And if I did figure it out, I wouldn't be able to fix it. <laughs> Microsoft do not appreciate you distributing your own copies of Windows, it turns out. So... <laughs> yeah, so so that that's like you know, as a dev, it's a no-brainer. But you can also see why that is completely unimportant to somebody who you know is just an end user and doesn't care, right? Now, look, there are a whole bunch of fairness and ethical issues about hey, you know, I, I think there's worrying issues about having critical software that is not you know, accessible and transparent and viewable, and you know, uh, that's that's in the hands of a single party is extremely dangerous. But it's not the kind of compelling day-to-day reason that that for non-devs makes a difference, right? Um, but yeah, so, so over my experience, the, the world shifted, right? People looked, looked at me fucking weird when I went to work on this free hobbyist thing. And the first time I got a contract to do on it full-time, I didn't know if it was going to last, right? It was going to be... People actually sending me money to write software for free and release it on the internet. Like real money. Pretty cool. I'm like, that's pretty cool. I said, okay, well, that's cool. This will last six months and it'll be over, right? 20 years later, it was still going, right? Then I start working on Bitcoin, and my Linux friends are like, Rusty, what the fuck are you doing? Like, seriously, if you, is, this, is this your midlife crisis, right? You had a perfectly great Linux career as a top Linux coder. What happened, right? And the truth is you that... You got the Porsche, man. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> I wish. I wish. No, no. So from a dev point of view, uh, I saw the same kind of story. So I, got, I, I, I changed jobs and started hacking on on. Bitcoin full-time, I joined Blockstream because they were the only ones doing like serious, deep Bitcoin work at the time. Um, and 
just after the Mt. Gox crash, right? So Bitcoin was dead. It was all, you know, horrible, et cetera. And, but I remember Linux went through the same crash, right? Linux went through a crash in 99. It was, it was the poster child, you know, it was the dot-com boom. It was, well, it was apparently, and then and everyone was announcing, like, seriously, it was all, oh, you know, we're doing a, a, a Linux, you know, we're doing a Linux trial. It's going to be huge. We're going to do Linux desktop, whatever, right? Um, and the stock price would take a bump. Like, it, the stock price would go up because they make some Linux press release. It was insane. Right, and everyone was doing all this stuff, and then suddenly, boom, it was over. Dot com crash, tumbleweeds. Right, nobody's talking about Linux anymore. Um, it's it was it was it was night and day. It was amazing to see it turn around from these huge trade shows with giant things to like nothing. Nobody's doing it. It's dead. You know, it was a fad. It's all over. Right, and so I'm kind of like, huh, yeah. But we it turned out that. Next time the world had a crisis and was looking at stuff, Linux was ready. And I'm like, huh, this sounds a lot like the Bitcoin story, right? So um, my wife said to me, I'm much nicer to live with when I'm working on something I'm passionate about. And so, yeah, I restarted my career, right? Um, I went, cool, I'm going to be the mm-hmm. new kid on the block. So I went to Blockstream, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to like hack on Bitcoin. I'm going to be like a Bitcoin dev. This is going to be awesome. And I went across there for a month. And, and it happened that like a month before that, the lightning paper dropped. And so I, I read it couldn't understand it, read it again, couldn't understand it, read it with a nice glass of red wine, took notes. Finally, it figured it out, wrote a series of blog posts going, cool, okay, so here's the primer on how to understand the paper. And then Greg Maxwell, who was CTO of Blockstream at the time, at the end of my like month across in the Bay Area, said to me, oh, by the way, we think you should write a Lightning implementation. And I, it was kind of bait and switch, right? I'm like, I need to work with all these Bitcoiner dudes, right? I'm going to get to like be the, I'll be the new kid. I'll, I'll, I'll work on Bitcoin and everything. And he kind of went, you yeah, should go over there. Come on, man. In the corner. When uh, Greg Maxwell, when Greg Maxwell tells <laughs> you to do something, you do it. <laughs> well, and also it was perfect, right? Because uh, like Joseph uh, and Taj had written the paper, had no intention of doing anything with it, right? They were like, yeah, uh-huh. it's an interesting idea. And I'm like, how can you do that? You can't just like go, here you go. Yeah, you could do that, right? So no one else was going to do it. I'm like, Fuck, it has to be done. And it was a Greenfields project. It was like, it, it was perfect, right? It's a cool new tech and everything else. So, so that was it. That was, that was me. I never got to be the Bitcoin core dev that, you know, that I had intended to be, right? I'd even learned C++, which for reference is a fucking horrible language. But, you know, I'd relearned it in the, you know, on the plane, on the way back to, uh, on the, but yeah, never happened. So, yeah. So here we are, um, kind of, I don't know where, how we got here from your question, but yeah. <laughs> So like, yeah, and <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I'm probably well, you're on it now, man. Well, yeah, you know, it, 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 you know, uh, we started the spec stuff and we all met together. Um, and you know, by then, of course, Taj and Joseph had, had spun off a company to, to work on it, which they've since left, but you know, Lightning Labs, fortunately, uh, Roast Beef as, uh, uh, as now CTO was, it was a fantastic pick as was Elizabeth. Uh, and the two of them like carried it through and, um, and the async guys were great as well. So, you know, we all got together and we started thrashing out, okay, how are we going to interoperate? And that, that for me is the important bit. The software comes and goes, but standards have this way of sticking, right? You, you're stuck with stuff. If there are other things out there that do it a certain way, well, that's it. You're stuck, right? So you got to get that stuff right. Painful as it is. So that was always my background, right? Try to interoperate, try to get a community together, try to build it. Um, and the Lightning community is really friendly, like the dev community anyway. Like, I don't know. It's just... All devs are friendly, dude. I, I, I think so. But you, never I, see, I, I, uh, 
Well, you never see them out there on on Twitter fighting, really, like everyone else. Maybe they do <laughs> like you... parody parody accounts to give shit <laughs> like... to podcasters about their sponsors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there is that, and yeah. Also, so there is yeah, that. The, the shit Bitcoin is. We should get into um, that, dude. Twitter. We let's derail this and go there. Yeah. So it just it got me right because people are. You know, and I remember this back in the day from the Linux. It's like Linux was going to solve world hunger. In fact, the password on our machines, the, the now secret, I just checked, it's not the password anymore. On the machines of the lab was Linux will not solve world hunger, right? Which is obviously a joke, right? But there's a grain of truth in it. There were enthusiasts, shall we call them, right? Young, this is the coolest thing they've ever discovered. It's amazing. It's going to change the world, you know. And look, I love enthusiasm, right? And I look, I love Bitcoin too. I think it's fantastic. But you know what? It will either sell itself on its own merits or it won't. And throwing this ridiculous hopium at people is not helping anything, right? If So, for example, people are like, oh, number go up is the best thing we have, right? That, that attracts people to Bitcoin. Okay, the problem with number go up is if that is the reason you buy Bitcoin, right? You get into Bitcoin because number go up. Someone else will promise you number go up more, right? Some shitcoin will come along and go, well, number go up more. And they will, if, like there'll be a bump. You go, well, fuck. And you'll jump on that and you'll get wrecked. Uh, you know, and you, because you have no idea, right? You've only been sold a number go up. And so other number go up more, that's where you go, right? And I realized that so, so devs, devs want to attract people. Look, we want more people to. To, to, to in the Bitcoin space. Two reasons. One, because we like get devs, right? Some number of them will become devs or they'll build stuff that, you know, hires devs or whatever. And part of it is you want people to find a few stuff useful, right? Somebody comes along and goes, cool, I found Bitcoin really useful. It works really well for this. That's the users you want, right? You want users who are like, yeah, I found your thing. It's great for this. And you get, because those are the users who go, oh, but wouldn't it be great if you do this? And you go, oh, yeah, we could do that. No, let's, let's move in that direction, right? You can refine. Those are the users you want. If you're a trader, if you're trading shit coins, that's not the user you want. You want the dumb money, man. You want the stupidest mm-hmm. people you can find to come in hard and just throw all their money at it, right? Sell your kidneys so you can buy more Bitcoin. That is the kind of shit you will post on Twitter, right? And that is a completely different set, right? Uh, those people call themselves Bitcoiners, and maybe that is is in the definition of Bitcoiner, but that's not what I <laughs> I'm not interested right there's there is eco- no ecosystem. definition of Bitcoiner I know yeah there's no definition because like uh, people say it and and then they like narrow it to it well you're not a Bitcoiner <laughs> if you don't do a b and c or it's like well no hold on hold on we I I don't like the idea of creating a definition because the definition is subjective like for me yeah. you're a Bitcoiner if you hold Bitcoin if you hold Bitcoin, attack Bitcoin. You're a Bitcoiner, but you're hostile. But like, not like, oh, you're a Bitcoiner only if you coin join an X pub and blah blah. Like, I I just don't like a narrowing of it. But look, I will throw something at you because yeah. I think it comes down to yourself, your own personal goals and centers. So you say it's cool if there's users because you might get more devs because you want more devs. Of course, you want more devs. And then you'll say like a trader wants people to you know dump money to to dump on it, and that that's natural. That's a part of the trading ecosystem. But we get price discovery from that. And then I guess you, the people who want to take down the government want to build an army, and they say, well, you know, each each round of number go up, uh, we get a, like a new army of people who came for the 
came for the gains but stayed for the hard money. I think what ends up happening is like the aggregate is where we are. The aggregate of every person, every user, every experience just creates what we have and what we are in the ecosystem. Yeah, um, absolutely. But you get to you get to choose who who do you convince, right? Who do you spend your time on, right? Um, and somebody chasing mad gains, number go up. It's like, well, eh, you know, there there are probably other places you could do that, right? There are probably other things you could mm-hmm. do. And anyone who's trying to make price predictions and tell you, oh, you know, particularly this short termism, right? I think it's one thing to lay out an objective thesis as to why you think Bitcoin will go up over time. Hal Finney did it. There's a long history of people going, well, you know, if you believe this narrative, then here's the numbers you're kind of looking at. Great. But people who are like giving you a date, like, you know, last time we'll ever see it below 10K or, you know, uh, you know, it's going to be 100,000 in 2021 and stuff like that. Um, Or what was one of the early ones? I was looking back through the the, the things I retweeted and one of them was, you know, if Bitcoin doesn't pass 100,000 by whatever date, I will give away all my sats to people who, who, who retweet this or something stupid, equally stupid. I'm like, just that's okay, so for, yeah, well on, on, on public TV, which is when you think about it, it's like, on that's not TV. even a, that's not even a thing, dude. That's not even a thing. Like what the fuck? Um, so yeah, McAfee's a nut job and no one should consult him for anything. He's also a dangerous nut job. So everyone's scared to say it, but I just downvote every mention of McAfee. I see everywhere in every because he's not a he's not a Dude. Bitcoiner. He's not anything to do with the the world that I'm in, right? And the guy just annoys me. We'd all uh, <laughs> yeah, but we'd all tune in to watch it. Nope, <laughs> nope. <laughs> I'll open my laptop and get some coding I would. done. I would. <laughs> okay, so wait a minute. No one's ever going to sh- anyway. Yeah, it's just it's stupid, right? So, but no. So so the thing is that. The guy who said was like, "I'll you know retweet this and I'll give you give you give away sats if if something you know or if it goes above hundred thousand I'll give away like you know whatever however many sats to everyone who retweets this." I'm like, "Hold on, that's that's never going to happen. This is like an intelligence test. If you retweeted that, you're an idiot, right? You have just self-selected just you know, and I'm sure you'll get plenty of people are like, oh, but you know it might happen. It's like it won't happen. Your free money is not coming, and." You're also, if you train people to expect free money on Twitter, right, you are not doing them any favors. History has shown this, right? So if we use this scammer-like methods to attract people, we are just going to attract people who are going to get scammed, right? That's, it's very clear, right? Mm -hmm. They're going to get, and and there are a lot of ways to get scammed in Bitcoin, right? Um, And it's easy to say, oh, well, no real Bitcoiner would ever fall for these scams, but I'm sorry. A lot of Bitcoiners have. I got done in Mt. Gox, right? Don't keep your money on an exchange. I was trying to sell it, to be fair, right? And it's, hey, number went up. My wife went, hey, we should sell some of that because I bought some play money, right? I was like, oh, 100 bucks worth of Bitcoins. And she's like, whoa, actually, that's worth real money now. Half of that's mine. Like, we should sell some. So I went to the biggest exchange in the world and I did transfer and I sold it. And I'm like, awesome. Now to withdraw the money. <laughs> And a month later, I'm so what's 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 happening with the money? Oh, and then uh, another few weeks went by, and there's rumors going around. So then I'm like, okay, fuck it, I'll just transfer it back into Bitcoin and try to get the Bitcoin back out because the price jumped up. Never got all the Bitcoin back out; the whole thing fell apart. Right? Uh, you know, I geez, but I don't think everyone should have to get wrecked to get into Bitcoin, right? I like to think that nope. there is a nice way that people go. They're interested in Bitcoin. You know, to be fair, though, the only person I know who's independently a friend of mine came up and said, I'm interested in Bitcoin. I sat down, I gave him the talk, right? Here's your hardware wallet. 
Remember your seed, take it off. This is a long-term investment, think five, 10 years, right? Uh, it's going to be extremely volatile. Don't watch mm-hmm. the price every yep. day. If you're still convinced, then sure, put some money away that you can afford to lose. Just put it away. Come back in five years. Let's talk about it, right? And by the way, give me a copy of your seed. First thing he did, lost, lost the seed phrase, right? Only no. found out because Idiot. a month had gone by. But fortunately, yeah, fair enough. I, I had kept a copy. Here you go. Yeah, not a problem. I knew this would happen. Because a month had gone by and the price had doubled and he wanted to sell. And I'm like, well, hey, look, it's your money. Here you go. And he sold out. But look, hey, not bad. Made a couple of thousand bucks. All good. Of course, the price then skyrocketed. Potentially would have made more. And also completed and listened to my whole long-term, think about this in your terms of years, not weeks kind of shit. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hopeless at selling Bitcoin. I'm like, no, I'm going to stick with the dev side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can I tell you? I, I know you don't want people to get wrecked, but getting wrecked for me was the best thing that happened for me in Bitcoin in hindsight, <laughs> right? Like, because I tell you, it did it did two things for me, right? What? Firstly, I've lost a fuckload of money. That's not a good thing, right? But it changed my entire attitude towards Bitcoin, shitcoins, and respect for like the Bitcoin I hold. Keep it safe. Don't spend it. Keep accumulating long time horizon i had to get wrecked to learn that now some people will, will learn that without it but for me it really worked but it worked outside of just bitcoin it made me really think about saving and saving for the future and what i spend yep. money on it really did that because like historically rusty i'm so <laughs> shit with money man honestly i spend money on all kinds of nonsense i've nearly bankrupted myself twice from seven-figure positions like uh, i'm a moron with money ever since getting wrecked in 2018 all i've done is increase my personal savings position and wealth and being very very careful with money i mean i I might be alone with that other people might do but i'm not saying people should go out and get (laughs) wrecked it was just a really good like i'll look back on that in yeah five ten years ago that was that was the best thing that happened to me but, financially. But, but to be fair, right, you were wrecked. You, you went up and down, right? right. You didn't go down, right? Yeah. So, so when, when Gox went under, I read a whole heap of threads yes. that – because, you know, I was, you know, looking at working in an industry, you know, just, just after Gox, I'm joining Blockstream. I'm like, you know, well, yeah, if I'm going to be a dev looking after this money, I forced myself to read through those fucking threads. The ones where he was doing really well. Bitcoin was up. It was all good. And he's like, even if I drop 50%, it's all good. That's great. I took my kid's college fund and I put it in to Mt. Gox. How do I tell my wife? Right? And I'm reading these people pouring their heart out on Reddit and, and forums. Um, they're just fucked, man. They didn't go up and down. They just went down. Right? They've lost everything at this point. Right? And I think that's really... Yeah, but like... <laughs> yeah, but that's anything... Like Rusty, you could do that. You could do that on the stock market. You can do that at casino. If you're putting your kid's college fund into anything and losing it, you're a fucking idiot. Yeah, yeah. But the point, the point is, he <laughs> hold thought, on, that wasn't you, was it? He thought, no, 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 no. <laughs> he, he he thought he thought he was he he thought he had buffer, right? He didn't expect the whole floor to go out from underneath him. Right. right he okay. didn't expect the exchange to just vanish and take all his money. Right. People are like, oh, but look, you'll get it back eventually with the settlement and shit. It's like, dude, I bet you his marriage is gone. Right. It, he won't get that back. From the Mt. Gox settlement, right? Um, mm-hmm. but it's, it, it, and yeah. so I don't want to be a part of attracting people to get them wrecked. 
I just don't. I don't think that's ethical. I don't think it's moral. Okay. I particularly don't want to take their fucking money about it, right? It's like, look, Pete, this is going to be a life experience. I'm going to take a million dollars off you. And, and um, I'm going to mm-hmm. sow that into other scams. And, um, you know, trust me, you'll thank me in a couple of years' time. I think that is not really the kind of bet I want to make. And, you know, uh, I, I understand that it is, you know, the volatile positions um, are all part of the joy of Bitcoin. Um, and, and to be fair, this whole saving thing, right? So the hodling, which is, you know, what our grandparents used to call saving. I love that meme, mm-hmm. right? Uh, there are some memes that, that really grate me the wrong way, but the whole idea that, you know, maybe you should, Maybe you should think about putting some more money away. And actually, it doesn't really matter whether it's into Bitcoin or, you know, just put some fucking money away. Changing that time preference is, is a theme that I really love about the Bitcoin community. And I agree. Thinking in those terms, yep. actually, you know, it, I think it improves things across the board. It does definitely give you perspective. And our, you know, look, our society encourages consumption like a shitload. And, you know, pulling back a little bit from that uh-huh. is probably damn healthy. You don't necessarily need Bitcoin to do it, but I think you know if that becomes if that becomes the thing Bitcoin isn't known for a saving technology, I think we've actually achieved something. But yeah, in the bull times, that's not what people are pitching, right? There's a lot of you know guaranteed free money, right? Uh, since I started the Ship Bitcoin as say account six months ago, every every account that I follow has been asserting that we are in the, on the edge of a bull market. Man, it's gonna it's all the signs, man, it's about to happen. And it's been about to happen for six months. And it'll be about to happen. For, you know, eventually, they'll be right, I hope. Um, but the price could go sideways for five years, right? It could do nothing. Could do, yeah. These yeah. Guys, you've got to sell your kidney now, man. You've got to get in because it's going to be rare. It's going to be, you know, all this stuff. And I'm like, dude, dude, calm the fuck down. You don't know, you know. Um, if you knew, you'd be able to get those futures options and make even more money. And you're not doing that. And the reason you're not doing that is that you're not actually prepared to put your money where your mouth is, right? It's easy to talk shit on Twitter and produce this narrative, right? People are trying to produce this narrative. Like they can, they can make a bull market by just talking about it enough. And hey, maybe that's how it happens. I don't know. I guess people are irrational, right? Yeah, but they're only talking to other Bitcoiners. <laughs> that's, that's, it's like a lot, a lot, a lot of what you know. A lot of what the Twitter is about is Bitcoiners talking to Bitcoiners about Bitcoin. So they're like they're saying something like about Bitcoin, and then a bunch of Bitcoiners are going, "Yeah, you're right," but they're not actually talking to anyone new. They're not like like they just yeah yeah. I, look, I I get it. I get it. all right. But listen, look, I'm with you on the hodl meme. I think the hodl meme is a great meme for life. Like yeah. it's a good like it's a meme I can explain to my children and it teaches yep. them something, right? What what about Bitcoin fixes this? Oh fuck. You know. So Bitcoin, look, it's one of those, you know, I have a hammer, right? And everything's gonna I'm gonna turn everything to a fucking nail, or I'm gonna hit it whether it's a nail or not, right? Uh the Bitcoin fixes this meme is 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 like it, surely it's past its use by date now. Can we just Kill it, right? Can we just get it out of here? Just go, no, okay, Bitcoin fixes it, it's over, right? Um, there are genuinely a couple of things that Bitcoin fixes. War is not one of them, right? <laughs> just hey, putting it out there. Mm, okay, I'm going to debate this with you. Bitcoin will stop war. So this is a libertarian talking point, right? This is the whole, but if we defund government, they won't be able to declare war. Okay, so I agree. Bitcoin-based governments uh, will lose more wars than others, if that's what you want. Great. Uh, if that, you know, let's flip it around a bit, right? If you're not prepared to fund wars, you'll lose them. So, okay, maybe you want to lose more wars and go for a Bitcoin-based economy, right? But frankly, I think you'll find that everything else gets cut first, 
right? Uh, it tends not to be the military-industrial complex that starves in these cases, right? Eventually, yes, you'll run out of money. Whatever you do, right, you'll hyperinflate. Right? With Bitcoin or without, you will eventually run out of money and you know, you'll have to stop. Uh, the problem is a long time before you run out of money for wars, you run out of money for everything else people care about, uh, like social services and healthcare and all these other things that people like. Um, so this whole, oh, but you know, Bitcoin will prevent wars thing is hopium at best, right? I just don't think there's any direct line you can draw here. Um, you know, when countries are on the gold standard, actually statistically there were not less deaths in war than there are now. So I'm not quite sure where this is coming from other than this, you know, we hope it's true. And I had this debate with people. Um, they, they called me out because I said this. And they were like, well, you're on the edges, right? Who on called the edges. you out? <sighs> <laughs> I'd have to look back through my Twitter. Uh, I think Stefan Levera actually – oh, yeah, he did. He did. Um, he did. Uh, look, and, yeah. and, and all respect to Safe, I still consider him the, the primary comedian in this space. I have a huge respect for his work. Uh, but, you know – the primary what? Comedian. I, I think he's hilarious. I think he's, he's brilliant. Like just his deadpan presentation of economics is, uh, uh, and, and his critique of modern art is, uh, he's reached a level that I, I, I couldn't hope. I'm, I'm just a dev, right? We're doing this as kind of a, a bit of a snarky side, right? Um, I don't have the dedication of someone like that. Um, so I've, I've always been a big, yeah. really impressed well, with what he does. It's not um, modern art, though. It's degenerate art. Oh, sorry. Yeah, of course. Degenerate art. Yeah, uh, economics is complicated, man. I don't understand. (laughs) Well, I mean, he's he's completely wrong. Yeah. (laughs) So he's completely wrong with uh, modern art, and I'm that's fine. But uh, but I like I look. I like the libertarian argument, and I and I, I think I would like to be a libertarian. I'd like to live in live in a libertarian world. I just don't think there are enough people who are libertarians for it to work. If everyone was like naturally libertarian inclined, um, then then great. But like, just humans are flawed, greedy, evil, uh, uh, angry, and monstrous, and we just want to fight, fuck, and steal. <laughs> oh, look, look, there is a rational place to have a debate about the competence of government, the size of government, how much influence you should have, and certainly, I you know, I've already referred to drugs. I believe that you know there are whole. Places the government has gone where it shouldn't have gone. Um, it has no business, etc. Um, you know, and I think that that's that's a healthy debate, right? But the libertarian end of like, you know, hey, taxation is theft, kind of stuff, where it's like, you know, well, um, is it, it strikes me as very much the anti-vaxxer kind of argument, right? And I'm going to get a lot of shit for this because I have friends who are libertarian, but mm-hmm. you know, taking for granted all the infrastructure that is there. And kind of starting from this in this world where all this stuff already exists and going, I don't understand why we're paying so much taxes. I don't understand, you know, where was this money going? Um, if you ever work for a big organization, you understand that this shit just isn't efficient, right? I work for IBM. It's private sector. But man, I have no idea what half those people, I have no idea what 80% of those people did. Uh, you know, so... So this idea that, hey, man, the private sector would be so much more efficient. And the other thing that gets me, right, is you've got these libertarians who are also these, like, dietarians, right? They're these carnivores, you know, we're being fed all this junk food and everything else. Like, hold on, that wasn't the government that did that, was it? It was the private sector feeding you all that shit, right? Uh, And giving you nutritional advice on eating McDonald's three times a day. Now, Mm, really? You're going to blame the government for shoving that stuff down your throat? Uh, Uh, 
No, but there are government guidelines and recommendations that have come, and there's also certain like I'd have to go and research it. But there's like certain uh, like policies and subsidies for farms to produce certain things. Like uh, what's the corn syrup bullshit in the US? Yeah. Like it's not just a pro- look. We are we are responsible for our own decisions, but like you you can put some of it back at the blame of the government. You know, we were told for years that you know, red meat. Uh, too much red meat would cause cancer and then we were told recently actually no it's okay so like yeah like i see both sides look i the don't think a carnivore diet is healthy the I think of this food. like as a majority the majority of this food people can blame that is not being produced by the government it's being produced by the private sector yeah but th- of course right so but, so if the government was involved and there was no regulation and it was all left to the private sector that is exactly the shit you would be eating so you know I, you can't have both right yeah, 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 potentially, potentially, yeah, potentially, but you still get those guidelines and advice, right? In some ways, sometimes I'm like, okay, we should have free choice, but isn't it great? Isn't it great that we have uh, certain regulations around certain things? Like, for example, I watched the um, Nathaniel Rich, one of my favorite journalists. He works for Vanity Fair. He did an excellent piece on Quadriga. He also wrote an excellent piece that ended up becoming the film Dark Waters, which was about. Um, uh, DuPont and then poisoning the waters. Yeah, and I just wonder: in a libertarian world, would they got away with that for longer? You know, <laughs> do you get more greedy people poisoning the water because there is no regulations? And there, yes, look, the free market will say that that the free market would develop regulations. I'd like. I'm not convinced in every scenario uh, it will. Yeah, no. Um, so, so where's uh, the middle ground? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the the free market is like, oh well, it'll come back to insurance and stuff like that. If you've ever been hostage to an insurance company, you'll realize that you've got regulation then, but you now have no recourse, right? Um, it was like, well, you can set up your own insurance company. Yeah, good luck with that, right? Um, you know, for example, if you ever get on one of the blanking blacklists, so there are you know there are various lists done, done by generally by private agencies, not by the government, that indicate risk scores for people and stuff like that. It's very non-transparent. In many countries, it's not regulated at all. Um, and you know, it's the private sector going, cool, well, we've outsourced our risk management to this other company that has all this data. And um, you know, we'll ask them, should we give this person a bank account? And the answer comes back, no. You have no appeal over that. You have no idea why you're on the list. Or you, find out, I mean, you may find out that you're on the list. You don't know who put you on there and for what. Right? Uh, you're just a high-risk individual. And I'm sorry, we're not prepared to offer you a service at this time. Um, and, you know, hey, libertarian, I think it's great that they're free to decide not to offer you that service, right? Because this is not the government after all. They have rights. They can choose who their customers are. Um, and if, you know, you can't get any banking services because of it, well, you know, hey, congratulations. That's the free market, right? Um, this stuff, there are reasons for regulations, right? Somebody said really early on, the purpose of Bitcoin is to teach libertarians why regulations exist in the first place. And you know, that's, that's obviously somewhat of a joke, but you know, there are a reason that a lot of these regulations Ooh. exist, right? Um, and look, so look, the, the crypto libertarians are very active on Twitter. I absolutely agree with you that there are, there are good discussion points to be had amongst this. But throwing out the baby with the bathwater is always the problem, right? Uh, you know, the idea of, well, we should just get rid of all the government. And just, that's like, ah, have you ever thought of actually getting involved in government? You know, you, if you actually really hate the way things are, you should get involved. And, you know, maybe if you have enough, long enough, where nobody gets involved and everyone just gives up and goes away, then your government turns into a complete shit pile. But I don't really think that, you know, 
I, I, you know, well, then you, your parents should have been more active, right? <laughs> they, should have, they should have gotten involved and done stuff if, if it's too late for you. And I'm sorry for your country if that's the case. But I've always felt that if you really feel strongly about it's, this stuff, get involved, man. Go do something. Yeah. It's, and Move to and a sometimes country. it's a tough conversation to have because I, I, you know, I try and have the conversation because when you try and talk about, say, Bitcoin to friends, if your starting point is, look, let me talk to you about inflation, how <laughs> inflation works, because a, a, lot of my, a lot of people I know, they just think inflation is one of those things that we happily accept. Yeah, it's just a part yep. of a, a healthy economy to have inflation. But yeah, actually, it, it explains to them that, especially interest rates as they are now, now that you're losing purchasing power. It's essentially, it is essentially, I do consider it essentially a bit of a theft, right? And you can explain it to them. And then you can say, look, over 20 years, like it's quite insidious that the, the purchasing power you'll lose. But if you wanted to, Bitcoin is scarce. So you can buy some Bitcoin and there is a chance that if Bitcoin continues to be successful over a long-term period, you can hedge part of that. And perhaps yeah. you need to hedge a little bit with gold and blah, blah, blah. You can, I can have that conversation and it makes yeah. sense to people. Yeah. But- if I sit down at the table and say, all governments are evil, everything they do is evil, um, the, the, you're not a free person, you're a, you're a slave to a government, taxes, theft. But with Bitcoin, if we all buy Bitcoin, we can take down the government. We won't have any governments anymore. Um, but what we can also do is we also have gun rights and we can all get guns and we can all protect ourselves. And the people with the most money, we're going to live in this thing called a citadel where we can have armed guards protecting it and our own secret economy. And I, sometimes I want to have this conversation. Sometimes I even want to mock it. But, but even even attempting to get into the conversation. just And, and look, Rusty, the reason I want to have the conversation is like, Yes, we don't have as much freedom as we would have in a libertarian society. But is there a certain amount of freedom that's worth sacrificing for a safer society? Now, look, I know they'll come out. There's that quote. That quote. What is it? Like anyone who gives up uh, 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 whatever it is liberty for safety has yeah. either. Like I get that argument. At the same time, we have some form of civilized society. If we went to a stateless society, would that be better? Or would the trade-offs be worse? Would we be in a situation where it's like Mad Max? I, well, I honestly and genuinely don't don't know because I've never seen libertarian society. But I definitely want to have the conversation. But even attempting to have the conversation, you get people go, you fucking statist cuck. Go fuck yourself. Go and suck your government's dick. It's just like, well, hold on. I'm just trying to have the conversation here. Can we just try and have the conversation? Because if, yeah. if the option is binary, statist cuck, or or uh, or liberty, then it's a very difficult. It's very difficult to actually make progress. Sorry, I'm going on a bit here, but the reason it's important to make progress is like, well, how do we make society better? So, for example, I I had a really great interview with Eric Voorhees. I always refer to. He's a great libertarian. I really appreciate his time, and he said something really important to me. He said because I talk about the big red button to switch off the state. He said, look, could we just directionally head to a smaller state? Can we ever get to that point? Maybe we can't, and I don't know. And the other thing I don't know is that even if we have the big red button, I've talked about this before. You know, I've studied, I've been reading like Maslow's hierarchy of needs and looking at the way humans are. Do we end up just rebuilding everything again because we have groups of people and then we need governance and then we have leaders and we have like it's a very complicated area. But I think for for just to be very binary of it's either liberty or or statism, and you can't try and like navigate the in-between is, is really hard yeah look and 
I have a huge sympathy, as, it, as as I think do you, for this idea of yeah, look, you know, there are places the state needs to be a lot smaller, right? Um, you know, and I think it's it's healthy to have people across that spectrum going, no, 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 hold on. Just on principle, I object to this expansion of the state because I think it's a bad idea. Um, you know, that doesn't mean I object to every expansion of the state, right? And it doesn't mean that I feel that everything the state does is wrong, right? Uh, and I certainly don't feel that if we if we, if we threw it all out and tried to start again, that we would better the second time right because we would try to build something because we need structures in order to like manage stuff and make things work and you know um i know libertarians will say true libertarianism has never been tried but <laughs> it's like yeah because you know you go well what about somalia right they have no they have no state you could go to somalia right oh well that's not real libertarianism so well, why not right um you know i mean that, that's that whole big red button argument which is very binary and, and not very productive um yeah look there are certainly areas uh, where the state could be smaller. I think we're headed into a world where, uh, you know, so I think chaotic transition is bad, right? I think that's that's worse, right? However bad things are, chaotic transition makes it worse, right? So if your state collapses, you know, that's worse. Now, there's a, definitely an argument that says the state will always try to expand, right? And I think that's your, there's definitely a job there to push back on it, right? Um, yep. you know, we, look at, we look at surveillance, right? You know, surveillance used to be something that was, selective and difficult to do and expensive and, you know, requirely safeguards. And, you know, in the electronic age, surveillance is cheap and can be done by anyone. Um, and we've slipped into that mode without even really having a discussion about it. Um, that's That hugely concerns me. I think privacy is really important, especially given that, I've already, as I've already said, I don't believe all our laws are currently just, right? So, you know, at what point does that become, well, you know, Am I unable to lobby against laws I don't agree with because I'm worried about uh, the information people have on me, right? I worry about a particular case like so, – so, you know, Pete, when you finally give up and go into politics yourself um, and it turns out that somebody approaches you with an envelope and they've got here's, – here's all your – you know, these conversation, private, conversa private conversations that you've had with people, uh, you know, are you going to let that influence you or are you going to leave politics, right? Uh, that that kind of backroom dealing scares the shit out of me because you wouldn't know it's happening. Um, and there will be people who will legitimately use that power because they think it is important, right? They're like, well, we've got to get mm -hmm. Pete's vote on this and, uh, you know, the defense bill and uh, because, you know, terrorists, uh, you know, a country's future is at stake. I don't like it, but we've got to use it against him. We've got to, you know, we've got this information. We've got to use it, right? And these will be perfectly... You know, maybe not law-abiding technically, but you know, the, these will be upstanding members of, you know, uh, the, the, the 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 whatever service it is, um, GCHQ in your case, right? Who are like, you know, hey, I don't like it, but we've got to mm -hmm. do it. You know, Pete's a bit of a nutter; he wants to reduce the size of the, you know, defense industry. We've got to, you know, just uh, just hobble him a bit, right? Just just get us through this, right? And then it becomes a habit, right? Um, you know that that scares the shit out of me. The lack of privacy, particularly for public figures, uh, I think is, is is makes our democracy vulnerable. So you know, I I I understand a lot of the arguments about small government, but I don't think Bitcoin is going to fix this. Next up, I talk to Rusty more about shit Bitcoin to say, but before that, I got a message from my absolutely amazing and wonderful sponsors. Don't skip, definitely check them out. I could not do this without my sponsors. Okay, so. Firstly, let's talk about Kraken, which is my favorite place for buying and selling Bitcoin. And it's the only place I use for buying and selling Bitcoin. And I know you're going to say, yeah, but Pete, they're your sponsor. I know you're going to say that. 
but I chose them as a sponsor. I went to Kraken and I was like, I want you to sponsor the podcast. And you know why? Because they're badass. They're so good at everything they do. Like, firstly, they are consistently rated the best and most secure cryptocurrency exchange. And security is really important to me. But they also have the best in class in customer service of the whole market. So if you have any issue, whatever it is, whoever you are, and wherever you are, if you reach out to Kraken, they're going to get that shit sorted for you. Also, if you want to be trading Bitcoin, they've got every possible tool you could want. If you head over to Kraken.com, it could not be easier to sign up and start trading Bitcoin. They also have this beautiful mobile-first app. So if you want to buy Bitcoin on the go, whatever you're doing, if you're at the drive-thru at McDonald's, there's a big old queue while you're waiting for your double cheeseburger and you're like, you know what, I want some more Bitcoin. You can whip out Kraken Pro and start trading. And also, with their margin trading, futures and OTC desk, they've got every option covered for you. There is no better place to trade Bitcoin. You can find out more at Kraken.com or you can download the app. It's available for the iPhone and Android. Just search for Kraken Pro, which is K-R-A-K-E-N-P-R-O. Okay, and lastly today, but never least, is BlockFi, the future of Bitcoin and financial services, and the best company for Bitcoin financial services. They've absolutely smashed it this last few years, and they did it all without a shitcoin. Gotta love BlockFi. Now look, I am a customer. I have an interest account. I love earning interest on my Bitcoin every month, and you can too. If you sign up with BlockFi, you can earn interest on your Bitcoin. Also, if you use your Bitcoin as collateral, you can take out a USD loan and you can fund your BlockFi account directly from your Bitcoin wallet. With the BlockFi mobile app, you can now manage your account on the go. And with my birthday this Halloween, they've got a special Halloween promotion for new customers. From now until the end of the month, you can earn up to $275 in Bitcoin when you open up a BlockFi account. All you have to do to claim this is head over to BlockFi.com forward slash Peter. Now, if you're interested in checking out BlockFi, I do always say do your own research, but then head over to BlockFi.com, which is B-L-O-C-K-F-I.com, add the forward slash Peter if you want to take advantage of the promotion. Like, let me throw an intermediate argument for you. What if Bitcoin just has the ability to reduce the size of the state? What if it does that? What if Bitcoin has the ability, rather than doing it via lower tax income yep. for the government because uh, i was I had a chat recently with giacomo and neil woodfine a really great one we talked it was about toxicity but we ended up getting into the the state and the idea that bitcoin is already reducing this like it's already taken tax revenues from the state but my argument is that it's having no noticeable effect because even if it is the government can just print more the government isn't running out of any amount of money because of bitcoin right now yep. but what if bitcoin does it something different rather than like, it, what if it's an awakening for more people about privacy and it's an awakening about savings and awakening about the economy and therefore we we have more people who are willing to push back? So rather than just happening via, via a change to the money, it happens via politics because there's enough people who are now fed up and pissed off. Like, there's certain places I've been to, Bitcoin's really easy to explain. So when I was in Argentina, Bitcoin's a lot easier to explain there than it is here. Yep. Um, when I was in Venezuela, again, to certain people, Bitcoin is really easy to explain to people in Venezuela, right? Yeah. But but what if this, what if it becomes easier to explain because we start to get a better understanding of the overreach of the state and we can just push back a bit? What if it does that? So That would be a positive. That, that would be. I don't quite see the path to it, though, right? I mean, you've got to get people, either their currency's got to get so bad that it becomes self-evident, right, that they need something else. Now, convincing them that something else isn't the US dollar uh, is then the question, right? So 
Because that's been the classic, right? You know, I'll just just stash some USD in your, you know, uh, whatever you can get for your local currency, and and, and try to use that. Um, you know, uh, Bitcoin's harder to use than than US dollars, right? It just is. Uh, now, you know, maybe maybe mm-hmm. we're making inroads on that, right? The USD is not getting easier to use, and Bitcoin perhaps is getting easier to use, but still, right? It's you need an internet connection. There's you know, there, there's there's more stuff that you need. You need a working phone. You need not to get goxed or hacked or get told your Electrum node needs to upgrade and click on the wrong link and shit like this, right? All these ways that people lose money, right? So you've got to get over all that. You've got to get your education in place so people can actually look after it. And they've got to look after their seed phrases or whatever it is that they've got. Um, But, you know, maybe you get over that and maybe it becomes usable enough. Maybe they have lightning or or whatever and they can can do it. But I don't think it fundamentally changes the the big spenders in the world, right? The, the the USD printing still continues and everything else. Now, potentially, what happens is by having a reference economy that people can look at. Oh, well, Bitcoin's kind of going like this, and now we can see inflation, and we have an easy way to flip out of it. Then maybe that puts pressure on governments to actually tighten their belts and actually stop printing money. Maybe there's a there's an interesting idea around there. Um, there was always this idea that one purpose of Bitcoin could be to make Governments go to a Chowmi and eCash kind of system. So governments could have done this 20 years ago, right? They could have gone, right, here we are. We're centralized, sure, but we're going to let you anonymously transact on the internet with our currency. Um, here you go. We could have flipped, they could have flipped that search 20 years ago. Um, now, the patents have expired. They can do it without even paying royalties, right? They could literally do that. Now, there are a number of reasons they don't. And the main one is that, and you know, is the the money is a system of control. They've gotten addicted to the fact that they can control who uses their money now, thanks to the electronic world, right? Um, mm-hmm. They can control it, right? And they don't want to yep. give that up. But maybe maybe the needle gets pushed back. Maybe the existence of Bitcoin makes them go, "Hey, you know what? We could release a genuinely a genuinely censorship resistant but centralized currency, right?" It turns out the Australian dollar would be a great candidate for this, but our politicians are too stupid. Um, but if they saw the writing on the wall, you know. Countries could kind of go this direction. You're like, okay, well, they're going to be doing anonymous stuff anyway. And we might as well reap the benefit and have it in our currency, right? Um, so maybe that becomes a thing. Maybe they get more fiscal discipline. But these are big maybes. And Bitcoin has to get a lot bigger before it can have those kind of effects, right? Um, gold already exists, right? So you've got to make a reason why gold wouldn't do this job, right? Why hasn't gold saved us from money printing? Um. Other than the fact okay. that printing gold, I, right? Because fake gold. I guess gold. a couple of reasons. Well, I guess because uh, I guess as a disparate group of Bitcoiners versus a disparate group of gold bugs, we we can achieve more because it's digital. Yep. The digitization. If you call Bitcoin the digitization of gold, there's a lot more we can do with that. We can we can hide it. We can teleport it. We can do a lot more things with it. So I think that's one of the reasons we could spend it. So like Rusty, one of the, the like the obvious and, and 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 obvious answer to that is like a circular economy in Bitcoin does damage to the government over time if it's big enough. You can't really do that with gold. I can't phone you up, Rusty, and say, "Yeah, Rusty, can you build me some Linux app thing for me?" And you're like, "Yeah, it's going to cost you like fifty million sats," and I can just send it to you. If you're like, "It's going to cost you like." Uh, like half an ounce of gold and it's like well how the fuck do i get that to you so that gives us a big difference that's i think that's one of the primary differences plus also i can send it to you and nobody knows ideally okay yes they can analyze the blockchain but there's ways around that the two things you've said there are about localization right 
because we could do this if we lived in the same village, right? If you know, if I were around the corner in Bedford, um, yeah, looking very, very lost, then you know, we could do this gold exchange. We could do it privately. We could do all those things, right? You know, uh, assuming I have some scales with me and I can measure it and I can check it. I don't know. I don't know how you check even check what gold is, but you know, hey, we'd all become experts if we had to, right? We'd and you can cut bits off. Yeah, that's right. I do that. Chew it and you know, whatever and whatever it takes, right? So uh, yeah, we, we could do that. I mean, the internet, of course, allows a smaller group of people to do this because they can be spread around the world. They don't have to all be in the same place. So yeah. I get the internet argument for that, right? Critical mass is probably lower because previously you would have had a critical mass all in the same physical place to make this work. Now mm-hmm. you can have, maybe you've only got your know, 10,000 core people, but they're, you know, distributed around the world, but that's okay. Cause you've got the internet and it bridges that. So maybe that's a thing, you know, but you've got on the flip side, you've got, I know I'm, I, I will bet good money that gold will be worth something in 30 years. Um, Bitcoin's only been around 11. So now you're betting on something lasting four times as long as it has already. That's just not a certain bet. You know, as much as I oh, love I the technology and everything else, you look at it and you go, this is 11 years old, right? I don't let my 11, you know, I have a 12 year old daughter, right? Just for the record, she is not Satoshi Nakamoto. Uh, but, you know, uh, there's a reason she can't drive yet, right? I'm not letting her on the road, right? Bitcoin's a bit like that. Until it gets to 25, you, it's still early. It's still like, we don't even know if this is still going to be around. Things could break horribly soon right so the the uncertainty over that level holds it back now that is simply solved by time right if bitcoin were 25 Mm -hmm. years old you know if it were 50 years old right then we wouldn't even be having this conversation about you know there wouldn't even be a like well of course bitcoin's always been around right you old timers remember the time before that but then you remember the time before the internet so fuck you right so um we're still in that stage where it's, it's early by any measure it's early Right, um, and a sane human being doesn't trust something that's eleven years old. Not for core infrastructure, not betting your life on kind of you know, uh, you know, the just uh, for, for very sensible reasons you don't do that. So, so, like, so what is Bitcoin then? Is it like so? Oh, I like. So this for question. you, is it? It's digital gold. Yeah. Well, no, because it you know, there's two questions. It's like, what is it? And what can it be? And I did a I did a recent interview with uh, Robert Breedlove, VJ Boyapati, and Parker Lewis, th- who I consider, in terms of writing, actual writing, the three best writers in Bitcoin. Oh no, the three of them excellent writers. So I wanted to get them on, and I asked them what Bitcoin is, and I actually got three different answers, which is cool, mm-hmm. but also fascinating. But I also then asked, if, we kind of went into well, also what can Bitcoin be? Like that's the follow up. Bitcoin is yep. this, but what can it be and what can it achieve? And there is definitely sometimes a group think, say, on, let's call it Twitter, for example. There's a group thing around <laughs> Bitcoin that you can sometimes get you slide into, and I've done it myself, and then I felt like I have to step back. But but there is a group think, and sometimes it takes maybe a wave from from what it is for or what it was. It takes people in new directions. Um but it's an interesting question to ask other people. Like, I have my ideas of what it is. Yeah. But what is it for you? So, so you used, early on with interviews, you used to ask people this, right? You'd, you'd say to them, hey, what, 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 what do you think Bitcoin is? Define Bitcoin kind of thing, which I thought was interesting. Um, and for me, Bitcoin is an attempt to create an open source internet cache, right? It's a software project 
fundamentally. And I, I, it, and so it always irks me a little bit to have people try to apply these huge themes to it, right? Um, you know, for example, people are like, well, you know, it was, it was, uh, it, it's, it's hard money and everything else. Like, yeah, it kind of, it, that's sort of a side effect of what it is. You know, obviously, Satoshi had to pick, like, you know, how is this thing going to work out, right? Um, what's the rate of issue going to be, right? And you could pull a number out of your ass. You go, well, I hit 1% a year. Like, no one will miss 1%. We could do that. Um, but he chose a, a mathematically neat uh, function of, of halvings that ends you up on 21 million, right? And it was like, oh, hard money. So like, oh, it kind of fell out. Like, the, there are only a certain number of numbers you can pick, and zero was an obvious one. Like, hey, let's pick 0% inflation. It'll eventually become zero, right? That, that makes some degree of sense. But this is the problem with Bitcoin, right? There, there are three Bitcoin phases, and you can tell that, and it's written in the code, right? That, that's the protocol insists that there are these three phases. The first phase was that really early on, Bitcoin was fucking useless, right? Bitcoin was not even toy money. It was just a toy. The main competition to Bitcoin when it was first released was SETI at home. Right, because you could do that. You could you could spend your free computing cycles and sit at home, or you could mine some Bitcoin. At least sit at home. You talk to other people. Go, oh, cool, that's cool. You know, I can look, you know I'm, I'm contributing for the search for, you know, extraterrestrial intelligence. With Bitcoin, you were like, cool, I mine some Bitcoin. Well, now what do you do? First, you got to find a friend who's geeky enough, convince them to you know to start up the Bitcoin client, and then you can send them some Bitcoin. Which is doubly useless because it's completely worthless. And why did you even bother, right? So, you know, it, 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 there was this early stage when it was basically it wasn't anything, right? So the phase one of it was was you know was was like Bitcoin is a, completely a developer toy, right? With these grand fantasies that maybe one day it'll actually mm-hmm. worth something and it will become an internet money. But it was a it was a protocol. It was a a breakthrough in computer science that you could do this kind of distributed proof of work. How cool is that? Nice. It was a step forwards in the evolution of this peer-to-peer cash idea, right? Okay, great. That was like phase one. And then there's this phase mm-hmm. two, and we're in phase two now. Phase two is um, like, so So original was like, you know, the, the free money phase. And now we're in like Satoshi's free offer, right? The network's still being subsidized. Money's still being poured in by the protocol, mm-hmm. right? And that's the main source of funding. Right for miners and the infrastructure is all being paid for from like the, the free airdrop that happens in every block block reward. Right, that's where we are now. Right, so mm-hmm. you know uh, that's fun. It has kind of become real money. You can send it. It's actually kind of useful and things, but it's heavily subsidized. Right, the, you know there there yeah there's this mm-hmm. fees in it, but it's it's they're trivial. You can pretty much ignore them. Right, we're still not completely ignore them. In the first phase, you could completely ignore them. You could send send you know. You can send Bitcoin for free, whatever else. Um, and you didn't have to worry about double spends because, what, like, is there one other guy using Bitcoin going to cheat you? Fuck that. No. Um, you know, so, and if they did, it wasn't worth anything anyway. So who cares, right? So, so we're in the second phase where, yeah, we're kind of figuring things out. And there's, you know, a few things. But there's a third phase of Bitcoin. And we're not there yet. And we don't quite know when we're going to get there. Probably 10 years, maybe 20 years. Every time the price doubles, you kind of, it, it pushes back the, this date by four years. But sometime... We have to pay for it. It was very, very clear. One day, this safety infrastructure that we built, this, this securing of the network is going to be paid mm-hmm. for, not by uh, a wealth tax or the existing holders, but by people who transact. Now, this was a conscious and deliberate decision on Satoshi's part to go, no, no, no we're not going to have an inflation tax. We're not going to do a broad-based wealth tax. We are literally going to charge people to use the network and that is how we're going to fund it right now 
whether you think that's a good idea or not, whether economists will say, oh, 1% inflation is definitely better, whatever else, he, he kind of had to pick a number because you couldn't, that being decentralized, there's no one to choose, right? You couldn't go, well, we'll have a board of directors mm-hmm. or whatever. Like, if you could do that, you could just write a whole, you just get them to hold all the money, right? That'd be way easier. So he had to pick a number and he chose zero eventually, right? Um, and that means we're going to have a third phase, right? This third phase is going to be the paying phase, pay for the piper, right? The free offer runs out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the free money phase that's the moment this is not the natural state of bitcoin and this is like written there you know exactly what's going to happen and hell i read the white paper i'm a dev i looked at it and you can see you say this is what's going to happen and so uh, when the block size debate came about i think the devs were kind of blindsided like but but look at the it was there right all along we were going to make this transition man and this is not even the final one like it's there's going to be like it's going to get really hard down here right this it's either going to succeed or fail at this point because if it's worth it people will pay for it and if it's not they won't and it will all fail and we don't know what will happen there right there's you know you can make guesses whatever but we haven't done it yet so we don't know right now that's pretty scary yeah and it's almost certainly going to lead to civil war in the bitcoin ecosystem that will make the block size wars well, okay. trivial yeah no it's a fair point because attempts to debate it uh there's a bit of pushback so pushback on the attempts this- to debate it because <laughs> because because you know what it's like it's like what happened the, the question is what happens if there is not enough rewards like there's not enough people to pay to use the network to provide enough security for the miners that is a very good question, right? Um, now, the question... The, the, the question, the, what happens? <laughs> okay, so, and there are the absolutists who are like, no, no, this is what we agreed to. That's, fuck you, we'll go down with the ship. There are the ones who are like, well, okay, if it was bad enough, we would consider, you know, hey, that was a great idea. It was an ideal. It was a good idea, but we're not going to go there. Um, and then there are the people who are just like, well, obviously, we have to do this, right? The miners... Right. And you think about who, like, so, so let's look at three groups the miners, the people doing transactions, and the hodlers. The hodlers are going to be like, fuck you. We were sold on this idea of 21 million. Everyone knows how many Bitcoin there are, right? Um, and and I personally, I, I believe this, that this, this is what, for me, makes it a trivial decision, right? Fundamentally, a lot of people bought in on this idea of 21 million coins, and to do anything else is bait and switch, right? Or a pivot, as they would Agreed. say, as a startup, right? It's bait and switch. It's like altcoins do this all the time. Oh, we're going to do this, and we change that. You, know, you cannot change it, right? Now, cannot mm-hmm. is a big word, right? And what if things were so terrible that it was obviously that you had to change? But the problem is, um, it will never be clear how terrible it is. Like it'll never be so obviously demonstrated. It'll be like, oh, it's not as okay. They're not paying as much as we want. Maybe we did, the security is not as high as we want. But you know, it's unlikely to ever fall to zero. And the miners, of course, so so the hodlers are there going, no, 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 this was the deal. The miners will be like, free money, fuck yeah. Absolutely, they will back it. They would absolutely back. Rational miners will back inflation because the money goes straight to them. Fucking A, right? And the big transacting companies will join with the miners, right? Because they're the ones paying the fees, right? On behalf of their users, their exchanges or whatever. If, they, if they're still as dominant on the network as they are today, they'll be going, we are bleeding billions of dollars to secure the network fuck you people you should be paying for it you people out there just holding your coins we need inflation man so you we can, we can, you can pay for it right so this, this causes a civil war right at this point and it's not very clear to me who will win it'll be a much more polished affair than the last one you'll have economists come in and say look inflation is good it's necessary here's the reasons there'll be very refined arguments as to why we 
obviously had Satoshi Nakamoto, whoever he was, huge respect, obviously wasn't an economist, didn't understand. You know, they, all this will get rolled out, right? There will be a lot of push and a very polished push. Uh, the miners will be ready to go. They'll be like, you know, they'll, they'll be on it. Um, now, th- that's, that's, that's absolutely a simplification, right? Some of the miners are big hodlers as well. Some of the miners will be, what, well, actually, maybe it hurts the competition more than it hurts me. So, you know, it, it, there is a range. And this is where actually I get the whole Bitcoin toxicity thing, right? If you say, no, this is my hard fucking oh, yeah. line and I'm going down with the ship, this is a pretty good line to hold, right? Because at the end of the day, you're going, hold on. If Satoshi Nakamoto still has more than 40 coins, we definitely know he has 40 Bitcoin because he sent 10 to, he made it block, block nine and sent 10 to Hal. So if Satoshi has 40 Bitcoin. I don't think you can convince me that there is an ethical argument to take those 40 Bitcoin, to erode those 40 Bitcoin from Satoshi, right? Which an inflation would do. It's a broad-based tax. And so I think if, if, the, if the experiment fails, sorry, that's, that's one thing, right? But deliberately taking those coins from the anonymous founder is a betrayal of trust. And so I don't think we have a choice. Of course. I don't think we have a choice. I don't think we can flip and become a scam. I think if, however worried we are, I think we have to keep going forward, right? Try to come up with something else. I do not think that we can introduce inflation. Um, I know, but I absolutely think people will try, man. Yeah, someone will. Yeah, someone will. Someone will fork it. Someone will do uh, Bitcoin inflation, whatever. That that will happen almost naturally, and almost certainly, it will go the the direction of Bitcoin cash. (sighs) I don't know. So, so okay. So, so there are several pressures if you look at the big exchanges, right? One is this is going coming up at some point, and I don't know when it will be. When will we cross that threshold? When will they start going? Well, shit, this is costing us too much. I don't know. The miners, because you know, miners go up and down. At some point, the miners will be bleeding. They'll be hurting. However much they might like, we hate the idea, but fuck, you know, we're going to close the doors. We really need this. If things come together at the right time, there will be a big push with a lot of big players jumping on board on that. Now, maybe the first war has taught them enough, but maybe we'll have forgotten by then. Maybe it'll be 15 years' time and, you know, it'll be old memories. No, no, this time it'll be different, whatever, right? And they will push for it, right? Um, I don't know. I honestly don't know what will happen. But the other thing, of course, that worries the big exchanges is privacy, right? What if we actually become more fungible? Mm -hmm. What if, you know, we get taproot and and, and, signature aggregation, the idea that we can share one signatures between a whole heap of things. And so you and I, Peter, will just, you know, our machines will connect and we'll privately produce this kind of coin join and we'll do it because it's cheaper. It's cheaper than both of us. So fucking everyone will be doing it. Everyone's coin joining. And suddenly like the exchanges are like, what the fuck? We thought we had a handle on Bitcoin and now, hey, you know what? Let's, know. let's fork the coin. Well, we want to do it for economic reasons. We want the inflation, right? We want the inflation. Let's fucking fork it, right? And take out some of it. Just not take out the privacy. Simplify. Simplify away some of those nasty privacy concerns. That, are, Frankly, uh, look, you know, Bitcoin's price is down, man, because of regulation that's required us to Coinbase to delist Bitcoin. But if only, if only we could remove some of these drug dealer and child pornography only, are the only people who use this privacy feature, and we kind of wound it back to a place we were comfortable with, you know, then it'll be good for everyone, man. Number go up. Number go up, Peter. And that's what we're here for, right? Number go up. And that's the problem with attractive number go up. Is, is there um is there any kind of like ideas around when the subsidy reduces like what kind of like how many halvings away do you think? Do you think we're like two or three halvings away from that? Yeah, so like ten years, like another three halvings, right? We're kinda of like, uh, but you know, 
how, how secure is the network? How much do we have to pay for the network, right? We don't know the answer to that. We really don't. Mm-hmm. It, it, there are other things that can threaten the network, but um, the obvious one is, you know, hey, if, if I can basically spend $100 million and overwhelm the Bitcoin network, we're kind of fucked, right? Um, it, because, you know, you've, presumably you could make more money, you know, fighting it than, than joining it kind of thing. Now, uh, there, there is some level that's too low, but where is it? Like, you'll find out after we've crossed it, right? After somebody fucks over Bitcoin by buying a shitload of secondhand mining equipment and, you know, and doing a 51% attack that destroys whatever, um, then you go, okay, right, now we know it was too low. But until that moment, you can never tell. And this is always the way with altcoins, right? Until they've been attacked, you know, how do you know they're insecure? Well, maybe nobody cares enough yet. Um, and when they do, they do. So it, it's going to be really hard. Like maybe, fuck it, maybe you get a 51% attack. Maybe the miners do a false flag operation, they do a 51% attack, they go, shit, this is why we need to pay our miners more, right? Um, I don't know. Maybe we get to that point. There, look, there are really hopeful signs that that won't happen. Miners will still fucking struggle because miners' for whole in life is to struggle, right? It's a cutthroat business, right? It's it's yeah, it's horrible, it, man. man. You order you order all these machines because the price is up. So does everyone else in the fucking world, right? They all come online as the price dips, so the difficulty goes up. But now you've got them, so you've got to run them. Right, unless they're really, really in the in the shitter, right? Uh, and somebody's going to run them. So, so you know, price go so the price leads, and then you know, six, twelve months later, after the action's over, then the mining, you know, the miners will come online. Right? It's a horrible business to be in. And um, uh, disclaimer, of course, Blockstream is in that business. Yeah. But <laughs> you're talking about 2018 right. for me. I gave it a go and lost half a million dollars. <laughs> it was brutal. Oh, oh God! I, do you know what I should have done? I should have flipped the S. I should have. I bought the S nines. I should have flipped them immediately yeah i I was buying the machines for 2000 whatever people were people were buying because i had them because you couldn't get any people were buying them for 5000 i should have flipped those fuckers man oh that was painful yeah but you know you know you're not the only one right obviously everyone else was going no 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 these things are worth whatever right in retrospect yeah look like anything if you'd known in if you knew the future you could make money anywhere right so look the future is going to be interesting i know that much and there have been moments where the, the block reward from uh, fees has been significant. So it's not completely out there mm-hmm. that this wouldn't happen, right? Uh, but there are a whole heap of business models that no longer make sense, right? They're like, no, you, you realize that if your job is giving free transactions to other people and paying for it, there's a shelf life on that. I mean, that's going to peter out, right? Um, and there are good and bad ways for companies to work around that. One is to just bring everything on in-house, right? Well, you know, you can trade Bitcoin here, but you can't remove them because that costs money, right? <laughs> you trade Bitcoin, right? Yeah. We have 22 million Bitcoin you can trade, man. You know, just, you know, so it, it could go either way. You know, um, I, you know, I think the devs are cautiously optimistic that this thing will work. But hell, you know, again, this is part of the, you know, it's not an unreasonable thing to worry about. And people can hand wave over whether it is or isn't, you know, but. Uh, I don't think anyone's come up with an ironclad proof, and the ironclad proof will be when we have managed it, right? And given that that is 10 years away, again, we're hitting like, talk to me when Bitcoin's 25 years old, and then I will have a much better story about competing with gold. Well, at least we get to like see it every four years. We get to go through that cycle and and see the impact of the, the, the drop in the block reward. And you know what? This halving, yeah, hash rate's going up. Yep. Hash rate is going up, so I so at do least not we understand get to see why. 
<laughs> I, the two things I don't know about are economics and and you know and marketing and all that. Actually, there's a whole shitload of things. Other than deving, I know nothing uh, about anything. So I have no idea why. Right? What's happening? Like, is it is it this lag? This this irrational exuberance, right? It was like, hey, man, mining's going to be the next big thing, and people jumped into it. Um, you know, historically, it's always been better just to buy on the market than it has been to mine. Uh, if you're looking at returns, so I don't quite understand what the addiction is with mining. Look, I like it, right? Uh, Blockstream went into mining. There was a big argument saying, hey, you know what? Every company should have a little bit of hash rate. You know, everyone in this space should be holding a little bit because it gets a lot harder to build a cartel when you've got these, you know, lots and lots of little players, right? Um, for for all kinds of different reasons, they're not going to gather together and, and and form you know one one big group, right? So I think I, I think it's great if every Every company out there has, you know, and every big player has, you know, just, just have a little bit of hash power on the side, right? Um, it's particularly cool because if, you know, if you never quite know how much hash rate is out there, it becomes really hard to attack because you don't know what number you need to hit, right? You're like, oh, it's about this much hash rate. But what if there's idle hash rate sitting there? What if people are underpowering their miners to save power because it's not quite economical? But if Bitcoin were under attack, they were going to ramp it up and suddenly you're facing 50% more hash power than you expected. That'd be a pretty cool scenario because that uncertainty makes it harder for an attacker, right? Um, so, you know, and, and people yeah. are doing pretty innovative things with like mining off waste gases and stuff like this. It's like, hey, more, more diversity in the ecosystem is, is critical. Um, you know, obviously, the more we have of that, the better, right? Uh, but, you know, there are, it's really fucking hard to be decentralized. It's really fucking hard, right? You have to have. You're not decentralized if 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 a handful of players control most most of the currency. Because doesn't matter what you do, they could dump it, they could fork it, whatever else. And sure, you don't have to. You can run your own node. But if you have no one to trade with, you're wiped out anyway, right? I mean, if it's no longer services and money, yeah. you've lost, right? Um, so you can't have too much user concentration. You can't have too much developer concentration. If there's only one person who understands the code, right? Well, who's reviewing what the fuck they're doing, right? And if they get hit by a bus, even if they, you know, it turns out they weren't actually trying to scam you, which, by the way, they were. Um, but, you know, if they get hit by a bus, you're still in the same situation. Like, what the fuck, right? Someone discovers a vulnerability, but there's no one to report it to, and it all goes straight to shit, right? So you need a huge diversity of devs. You need them all watching each other. You need a huge amount of you – know, one of the most important efforts in Bitcoin recently has been trying to bring people up on being a Bitcoin core dev. If you're a developer, come along, figure out how it works so you can like find our mistakes, bring your ideas, and just there should be as many people as possible watching this. And people come up through the ranks and even reading the documentation and checking stuff and stuff like this. Do all that stuff. That's really important. And then the mining side. Everyone, you know, mining is obvious. 51% attack is a deep problem. But, you know, then there were mining pools and shit. Well, mining pools actually get to choose which transactions. So, yeah, we haven't got 51% of miners, but we've got mining pools that control half of it, right? And they've been dicks in the past, right? We've seen, you know, let's just say that there are some people in this ecosystem who are uh, ethically flexible, I would say. Um, and part of that is that Bitcoin for a long time wasn't considered money, right? It's kind of like it's play money. So it's a token, right? The same reason mm. that... You know, casinos give you chips because they don't feel like real money. And so to some extent, I think scamming people from with them were like, I'm not taking real money. And when people got scammed, they were kind of like, well, it's not real money. That's why people send like one eighth to get two and whatever, because they don't think of it as money. You wouldn't do that with money, mm -hmm. right? You wouldn't, you're not going to send someone 100 bucks in the mail and expect to get 200 back. You're just not going to, because money actually matters. But if you think of it as play tokens still, 
Eh, you know, I mean, like there's this idiot who like went up like a million and back down again, right? Uh, you know, uh, because it's Fuck not off. real money. <laughs> so you know, extent- you're right, and uh, you're you're. You can go fuck yourself, but you are right as well. You are, you are, you're absolutely right. I did that because it didn't seem real, and it, and and it felt like it would go up more and more. Yeah, <laughs> such a moron <laughs> when I look back. <laughs> Dude, I, look, I I can I cannot throw stones. Uh, you know, uh, as I said, I got I got goxed. Uh, you know, it, yeah. and this. So so coming back to shit Bitcoiners say, this is what this irrational exuberance yeah. is. Where I'm like, you know what? Sometimes everyone, calm the fuck down. This stuff is not promised to you. Number will not always go up. It is not guaranteed to hit 100 grand, 288 grand, whatever fucking number you want. And even if it does hit a million dollars, you wonder what a million dollars is worth at the time, right? So, you know, when you think it'll stop wars or everything else, or just realize that every time there are side effects that you didn't intend as well, right? Um, you know, so my latest tweet was literally Pierre tweets, you know, um, and I want to quote him exactly here because you know I wouldn't want to <clears throat> wouldn't want to do him a disservice. Um, you know, that's right. Bitcoin accumulation might create more wealth than you expect, and I'm like, Bitcoin accumulation might lose you more than you expect because both of these statements are true. Oh, but man, did I get shit from mine, right? I'm like, you know, look, you should be thinking about what if I get did goals. you? Right, I'm going to look that up. Oh yeah, my well, last tweet. You know. Um, you know, look at all these risks. If you're not like, you know, seriously, you should not be promoting this stuff without telling people, hey, by the way, here's your steps, right? Don't get screwed on altcoins. Don't go into DeFi because it's offering you 3,000% a day interest or whatever, right? Don't, you know, <laughs> here are the things to avoid, right? And, you know, if you're not hammering that message home, who are you trying to attract, right? Right. Okay, so I'm, I've got that tweet open. Yeah. So the first, the first reply is Udi, and Udi's great. Like Udi's practical and realistic. He's a Bitcoiner. He thinks shitcoins are shitcoins, but he'll say realistic things like most of these things shouldn't happen to most people. However, realistically, Bitcoin's value might drop over time. He is right. Uh, Opier replied, "Personal experience of yours." Blah blah blah. Shit, I've done through. That's good, Vlad. God, there's just so many people on here. I've blocked me. Oh, cry boohoo. Yeah. Hi, look, you weren't given that hard a time, or does it get worse down the bottom? Usually uh, it's the bottom where you click on the uh, <laughs> yeah. see more replies there, or they're like, fuck you, wanker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but uh, and some people were like, yeah, look, I, I totally get it. People were like, yeah, that you have to be aware of this. Like, that is the entire point, right? I don't want this. Th- this is the thing. Building People are determined to build this, this number go up. It's all good narrative. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. There are still issues here, right? For, for a dev, the most important thing, like, look, mm-hmm. I love this stuff. I, I, I want to believe it, right? This is the this is what I'm fighting against. I, I love the idea that Bitcoin's going to go fucking to the moon. I'm going to be driving more Lambos than I can count, whatever, right? You know, I mean, uh, but but as a dev, I've got to focus on the issues, right? The problem is that Bitcoin has things that need fixing, right? There's stuff we can do better that we need to do better, right? I've got a list as long mm-hmm. as my arm of stuff, you know, that just work on lightning. And there's, you know, all these Bitcoin improvements and it'd be great to happen. And, you know, hell, it would be better if it was easier for newbies and damn, it should be a lot easier to back up a wallet than it is. And, you know, uh, and scanning QR codes is a pain in the ass and, you know, all this stuff, right? Uh, you know, as a dev, this is the stuff you're thinking about. Right? Let's, let's, let's try to fix some stuff. 
And this wild hopium of going, man, you know, all I've got to do is sit back and huddle and someone's going to build a citadel around me, right? You know, <laughs> that's, I'm like, dude, if that's, if that's your aim in life is to basically do nothing and build up this elaborate construction that lets you convince yourself that that is the most valuable thing you can do, I, I'm not really interested, right? I like people who want to build stuff, who are actually trying to help and build things. Um, not people who are basically going to, I just have to sit back and Bitcoin's going to go to like a billion dollars. <laughs> well, hey, maybe it yeah, will. But that's not popular, man. You're not helping. <laughs> you've, got to join the, you've got to join the hype machine. <laughs> it's, only, it's only interesting to me if it attracts people who actually want to contribute. Build something, they build a business yeah, on it, or they, it. they start using it, or they find some cool new thing to do with it. That's awesome. That's exciting. That's the shit I want to hear on Twitter, right? Um, just continually trying to like throw variants of memes to try to A/B test and find out the perfect meme to push this uh, to break into mainstream. And for most people, breaking into mainstream does not mean a lot of people understand the fundamentals of Bitcoin and start to worry about deflation and you know, all this stuff. And you know, they're not thinking, oh, well, you know, I really wish people had a more nuanced view of the Fed, right? That's not what they're talking about. Mainstream is like literally, I want more people to dump more money into Bitcoin and when I talk about Bitcoin, I'm never talking about the price, you know. And you know, full disclosure here: Blockstream pay me uh, a bonus in Bitcoin, so I I do hold some Bitcoin, um, you know. So so number going up is great for me, but it's not what gets me up in the morning. It's not what gets, makes me excited about Bitcoin. It's about this technology and the fact that we can use it for, for enhanced privacy and, and to make some really interesting things. It's not even the monetary side of it. It's the fact that we can do things with Bitcoin that we couldn't do before. And we can get some stuff back that we used to be able to do with cash, right? We can get that back again with Bitcoin if we get this right. But there's still a lot to go, right? There's still shit. You know, we shouldn't have to be explaining XPubs to people, right? Now, I didn't know what an XPub was like well. two years ago. I, you know... It, it's an obscure bit of wallet software. And I've written a wallet, right? So, uh, you know, if, if, if people have to know what Nextpub is, we've lost. Well, that was my view. It seemed to upset a few people. I don't know. I have a way of upsetting <laughs> a few people. But, uh, like, I just like to put pointed questions out there. Yep. But that one wasn't. That was just a conversation on Twitter. And somebody mentioned Nextpub. I was like, oh, what's that? I've never heard of it. Yep. I mean, I think I'd heard of it. I didn't know what it was. And then bloody we have a we have a week of people shouting, yelling, like complaining. Well, you shouldn't be a Bitcoin podcaster if you don't know what an XPub is. No, actually, this <gasps> no, no, is no, the no, exact no. reason I should yeah. be a Bitcoin podcaster. This yeah. is the exact reason I should be, <laughs> and the exact reason you aren't, because you're going to go on there and you're going to talk about this shit like everyone knows it and expect it, and you've got no idea that most people <laughs> don't care. Yep, haven't got the skills. And like, and and then it upsets other people. They're like, "Well, you're anti-intellect." I'm not anti-intellect. I'm just saying I know what people are like. I know what how humans behave. Oh. I, I did. I was a UX designer. I understand how people are. But yeah. it just gets into all that stuff. Blah blah yeah. blah. Oh, look. Yeah, so you know, my friend who lost their passphrase and uh, and sold a month later has a PhD. Right? He's not dumb. Right, uh, and this is the thing: people are not—they're busy, right? They have other shit going on. However smart they are, right? They're not going to drop everything and go down the rabbit hole before they invest, or you know, figure out exactly how to set up their twenty-eight-way multi-sig 
you know, right? Oh, which is where I think you know uh, services like Casa, which you know obviously is a sponsor of your podcast, uh, you know, are great, right? This idea of you know, hell. Well, I do, I do always, I do always openly declare and admit. <laughs> They're a sponsor of mine, especially if I'm tweeting about it, because you never know when shit Bitcoiners say might might. It's actually, do you know what? It's funny. So I I, I didn't realize shit Bitcoiners say was you at first. I just hadn't made the association with the pictures. And then when we agreed we we're going to do this, I I went through it, and I was like, ah, and I was going through those like, ah, you've picked on him. <laughs> you, picked, I was like, oh fuck, there I am. I was like, hold on, you've called me out. I have declared this. Yep. And I think you had to like admit it below. Yeah, it's the only one where I think you kind of apologized. Yeah, absolutely. Um, your second tweet, you mentioned it. I received the first tweet. I'm like, I fucking it's a no, no. And and this is an issue, right? So I think because we're in an industry, and I use that in in, in like finger quotes because I think you know there's a whole there's Bitcoin. And there's a whole heap of other shit that wants to be Bitcoin and and uses and tries to blow the lines as much as possible. And you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, for me, there's this. Bitcoin industry and there's this kind of surrounding industry that's of, of questionable value, but um, but you know because I think there is so much unethical shit in this. I always you know every time I talk about Bitcoin, I stand up and say, by the way, I own Bitcoin. I have a significant stake in Bitcoin because of you know uh, historical accident mm-hmm. that Blockstream insisted on paying me in Bitcoin. Because I said no, I keep your funny internet money. I'm nervous enough going to work for a startup again for the first time in 20 years after the you know <laughs> I joined a startup in 1999 just before like the end of the dot com boom last time. And I was like, I'm never fucking doing that again. That was a stupid decision mm-hmm. ever. So when my wife and, and I totally credit her, said no. You should you should do it. Go for it. Like you know, we can pay off the house eventually. You can you can go <laughs> run away and join a startup again and leave your perfectly good solid job and go play with your funny money. Um, and she was absolutely supportive of that, which is amazing. Uh, but I, they said to me, "So what's your, what's your what's your risk appetite? Like Rusty, you know, how much of your salary do you want in Bitcoin?" And I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, crazy internet dudes! No, I'll take your fucking money, thank you. I'll take your dirty USD, and I will just uh, spend that on my kids and mortgage. And um, you keep your." And they said, "Look, we have a policy of like a minimum, right?" So I took like the absolute minimum, which, in retrospect, of course, was the most foolish financial decision I have ever made. I should have done the opposite and gone, "No, no, no give me all." Yeah, your but you Bitcoin, went to right. That's right, you know. So, but either way, you know, I, I, I. I now hold Bitcoin, um, and that's great. Uh, you know, it, it built into a nice little bonus. You know, it's fantastic. And you know, uh, but it's important to declare these things. You, you should declare your interests up front um, because I think there are so many people out there who who don't. People obviously shilling stuff. You know that, that you know uh, they have undisclosed interests in, and, and you know, they're getting paid to shill and all this shit. I mean, it, it, it's it is completely a wild west out there. So I think you kind of have to go the other way and be incredibly explicit and you know literally uh my employment depends on bitcoin right um somewhat my reputation depends on bitcoin you know the last five years i've spent developing lightning if this bitcoin thing fails that's blown right i have basically gone shit now then i'm a 47 year old programmer looking for work uh that is not a good picture there's like a rampant ageism in the industry and i'm like whoa okay old guy who who was on the failing technology team, yeah, sure, we'll hire you. Uh, I'll probably get paid slightly more than the janitor if I'm lucky, right? So, you know, so I'm invested in yeah. Bitcoin in a way that… I wouldn't hire you. <laughs> see? That's right. I'm, I'm an asshole on Twitter. You should never hire me. I would so, hire you. I don't want I don't I don't some old dude. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, this is, it's hilarious because this is the first job I have ever willingly gotten up at 5.30 in the to attend like for the last five years so the the, the spec calls we have these spec meetings for lightning and they're at 5 30 a.m adelaide time which pisses everyone off because you know daylight saving happens and everyone's like oh shit 
So all these lightning devs know about obscure facts about daylight saving time in Australia. But I hate fucking getting up in the morning. But I do it for this. I will do it for lightning because I love this stuff. It's 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 so exciting. I remember Adam Bax saying to me once, like, can't sleep because Bitcoin. You know, it's like this stuff can just take over your brain, right? Um, and and so. Dude, it does. Yeah, and it's fascinating, and there's all this stuff, you know. Um, you, I talk, so I don't consider myself an OG, OG right? Um, uh, but you get to hang around some of them sometimes, and you know, the, the real, you know, OGs. And yeah, it's it's, it's fascinating the the perspectives they have, and, and some of the the, the the way they discuss things. Um, and there's an informal blockchain rule, for example, um, not to speculate on the identity of Satoshi Nakamoto. And I was like, oh, that's a bit, I wonder what that is. It's kind of gauche. Um, but it, there's some really good reasons to do it. One is that um, you look like a dick. There's, there's no good way to do it, right? So it's, just, yeah. it's gauche, right? But secondly, like, hold on, if you pretended to care about privacy technology and stuff, you know, this whole privacy idea that you should have privacy, probably should put your money where your mouth is and not actually actively speculate on trying to dox the guy who founded the currency, right? And it's probably not where you should go. And thirdly, like, it's just, if, if you realistically spread the idea that someone is Satoshi Nakamoto, you're dropping a whole pile of shit on them, right? Um, you huge might get them attention. killed. Yeah, that's right. I mean, God knows what will happen. And it's just grossly irresponsible. And I feel among the OGs, there's almost a, I think there's, there's another reason. And I think that's because, maybe I shouldn't say this, I don't know, but in the back of your mind, you've got to be thinking, well, Maybe it's one of my friends. Probably not. It's probably not. But maybe it's like, uh, maybe I don't want to poke this bear because maybe it turns out, oh, shit, it was that other dude all along, right? So I think some of the OGs are like, well, look, actually, we don't look into this too much because it could turn out like, wait a minute, I recognize that. Shit. <laughs> that was you all along. Peter McCormack was Satoshi Nakamoto. Fuck. Never picked it. Dude, it was, man. It was, it was always me, always me all along. No, but I agree. Look, I, like the whole speculation is nonsense. Like, just get away from it. I also, I wrote an I don't write often, but I wrote an article once. I said, it doesn't actually matter. Like, he left. As, I mean, he might still be in the project of somebody else, but if, as Satoshi, he left, he abandoned the project to do something else, he's left it for everyone else, it really pisses me off when people say, well, Satoshi, you don't know what Satoshi would have thought or what he thinks, just, so just shut up. Like, be man enough to stand by your own words and what you think and don't try and use somebody else's. It's like these inter interpretations of the white paper, which, by, by the way, I think both ways are actually a little bit disingenuous. So firstly, I think it's disingenuous to say what Roger Veer does to say it has to be cash. Therefore, it has to be like physical money all the time. I also think it's disingenuous to say it's the complete opposite because in pretty much the opening paragraph, it talks about using it for online commerce. Like if it's talking about for online commerce, then it has to be thought of in that way. I just think bury it, forget the white paper, like read it for contextual purposes, but don't use it for any evidence-backed uh, argument. Make your arguments based on what happens now. And also, look, things evolve. Like. Who knows what Satoshi would think of it now? He might think, do you know what? This has evolved to something else and it's really cool. It's really cool what it has been. Or he might hate it. Nobody knows. So shut the fuck up. <laughs> so the, the only the only caveat to this that I think has relevance where you can quote the white paper without, you know, is that if mm. people today bought in because of stuff they read in the white paper, right, then that has validity, right? If people went, but 
I read the white paper and they said Bitcoin was this. So I got involved because it said there would only be 21 million. You know, there would be a fixed cap. It doesn't say 21 million. It says there'll be a fixed cap and it will transition to fees. Yeah. Um, you know, then you go, okay, cool. Well, that is legitimately something that was a promise made that people bought into. So changing that is a bait and switch and we shouldn't do it. Right. Um, and this is this is the thing about Bitcoin. It's kind of finished. Like it, it look, there are refinements and stuff, but it basically is going to be the same thing it is in twenty years. Maybe we get some new privacy tech, maybe we get some cool tweaks, but fundamentally, this is what it is. Maybe we even change, you know, hash, you know, the hashing function or other technical changes. But basically, it is what it is. You know, we might get cool new scripting or whatever else, but we might build other stuff, cool stuff on top for sure that doesn't exist. Fundamentally, you can judge it based on what it is, and it will succeed or fail. On you know, he kind of presented this. Here's a paper, or when here's an implementation, and that's it. And it's been tweaked since then, but there's been no massive remodel. The shift has been in the world, right? Obviously, we've gone from stage one to stage two. We're going to stage three, um, but you know, it's been this kind of constant, and so you can evaluate it, um, which is kind of nice. You can look at it and go, well, maybe it'll be. Slightly better. And I'm a big blocker, right? I think we're going to have to increase the block size at some point. What? Uh, I think it is. Yeah, I know. Dude. Hey. Right, no, no, come I on. Was Look, push- explain your thesis on this. <laughs> explain your thesis on this. What, you're a, you're a, you're a long-term big blocker, big blocker, or you think right now we should do something? Like, because it's, I think there's a difference. There, there, there is like, I right. believe right now, like Roger Ver, there needs to be cash. We need lower fees. There's that kind of big blocker. Or there's a big blocker that says, look, I expect at some point in the next 10, 15 years, we might need an increase in the block size. Because I think I could be wrong, but I even think someone like Pierre has said at some point he thinks that needs to happen. They're two different, yeah. it's two different mindsets. Yeah. So, okay, there's, there's, there's one thing. Yes, I think in the long term, we have to increase the block size. Somehow, and we had we had a bump with Segwit. We kind of, you know, we put some stuff into an appendix, and we said, oh, that, you know, the classic thing, like you know, when you're, a, you know, you're you're a college student, and you've got like you write a thousand words, and you're like, shit, I can't fit it all. You put it in an appendix, right? That is exactly what Segwit is. We shove this stuff into the appendix. Um, that trick only really works once, um, and there's a limit on how much you know. We said, oh, okay, you only have four thousand words in the appendix, right? That was very simple. Now we could add another appendix and put stuff, but the obvious stuff is already there. We'd rip some more stuff out. We could do some dodgy shit, but basically at this point, you want more room. We kind of need a hard fork, right? So if we want more room, and I think we will, I think we will want more room. I think things are improving to the point where we can probably do a you know a modest increase over time. You know? And the thing is that we can, if we increase, we can always decrease, right? We can always have mechanisms to drop it because that's compatible, but we can't. Increase without a hard fork, right? Now, we've never had a hard fork before. This is the other thing. It's going to take years, man. Everyone has to upgrade. And I mean, like, everyone. That, that's a five-year process, right? That you have to, first, right. everyone has to talk about it. We have to figure out what, what are our options, decide on our options, implement it, see if everyone's got buy-in and move in these baby steps. Okay, so I think everyone agrees on this. Okay, now we can deploy it. Now we can look at it. Now it's going to kick in. And then, right, now the clock's ticking and it's we're committed. And in two years' time, everyone better upgrade their software or else, right? This is a long fucking process. And what annoys me about the block size debate is it poisoned the well for this. You can't have this debate without getting really emotive about, oh, but you're trying to, like, no, no, no. If we're going to do this, it's going to take a long time. It has to be done really carefully. We need numbers, right? Uh, what is happening to, to, to 
global internet rates, like how, you know, and the numbers are on that are all shit. I've tried to do it. And it's like, uh, what percentage per year? What can you count on in the future? You know, what are the other critical parameters, right? The bigger blocks are, then the more shit you've got to remember because the more stuff you can jam in there. And yeah, there are tricks that might be happening with Nutrixo and other stuff that maybe gets around that. There's a lot of stuff has to be decided before we even come up with a number. And then we come up with a number, okay, we think this is reasonable. And then you get everyone to agree on the number. And then you got to, you know, this is a big, long process. And we can't start it until kind of the wounds have healed from the whole, no fucking way, kind of large blocks, you big blocker, whatever, right? <clears throat> We're still not there yet. We can't have a right, civilized so a, discussion, it seems. Well, there's a couple of points I'd like to, I'd want to make on that. If you accept that at some point you have to raise the block size, I think you're accepting the fact that you're always going to be looking at raising the block size. So you might have to raise it in 10 years. But then potentially you might have to do it again another decade. Well, you're shaking your head, but like potentially you might. No. Oh, so you're is, thinking put in a way for it to li linear growth. Yeah. You've got to have some formula and you know we get to do this once. Now, I'm sympathetic with the idea that no, fuck it. It's too dangerous to change any of the rules in Bitcoin. And we should be headed towards a world where it doesn't fucking, no soft forks, no nothing, it never changes, right? Now, we want it to let it as long as possible because there's cool stuff we can do, right? But at some point, it becomes too dangerous. At some point, you go, no, it's too big, it's too important. It's, it'll get too political because we're humans and we're not going to be able to change it. So if we can't change it in the next 10 years, maybe we can't change it. Maybe we're stuck with it. Right, so there is a window the, on the other side where it's too long. But the other thing I say try doing the, is there the, a risk? Don't try doing it in the middle of a civil war. By the way, don't try yeah, doing yeah. it in the middle of the whole having the you know at the same time that would suck too. But but is there a risk of a like a minor bait and switch? Scissor on board, the date hits, everyone upgrades, but like I don't know, a miner doesn't carries on mining the old chain, ends up mining a bunch like solving a bunch of blocks and then a bunch of people are like oh shit i want to stay on the old chain like that to me sounds like one of the oh, biggest yeah. risks yep and that's why you need such a long you you need everyone in the universe to know this is happening right you really need five years it's going to take like okay even once you've decided everything you've scratched all that blah blah, blah and it's all deployed and everything else then this time it starts ticking you right now it's got to be two years from like you can download any software you've done from today for the next two years will be compatible. Anything older than that will get forked off. It will literally take at least that long. It will have to be literally. If you didn't do anything, you probably upgraded the last two years. So fuck, right? You're you're all good. Um, but the thing is, there will be a fork, and this is the one thing we learned from Ethereum: is that if there can be a fork, there will be a fork, even if there isn't actually any good reason to fork. The exchanges make a shitload of money on forks. So they will have a fork. They'll keep the fork alive. They will keep the old fork alive. They'll, you know, there's money to be made here, man. So you know, th there will be a consortium who will continue the original fork, um, not for any kind of a weird, you know, blah, 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 whatever reasons, although I'm sure they'll spin it, but simply because forks mean trade, right? And trade means money yeah. for exchanges, right? They don't care who's wins and losers, right? So there is actually a whole ecosystem here that, are incentivized to promote a fork. So even if it were completely consensual and basically the only people who didn't upgrade were the 
you know, that one guy who forgot and had his machine locked in a basement for two years and he, he you know, gets forked off the network or whatever. It, even so, right? Because originally there was this idea that we could make the old fork do it in such a convoluted way that the old fork would never have any transactions in it anymore. So you couldn't accidentally be left behind. But I think these days we've accepted that there will be people who want to fork and so you have to let them, right? If you didn't think anyone wanted to be on the old fork... And you can kill off the old chain. Well, if you, if, you, if you were convinced that nobody actually... The only people on the old fork were there accidentally, then there's an ethical thing to say, yeah, we should nuke the old fork. Make it so that that can never be continued in some way. I don't think you can make that argument now. There will be people... You may disagree with their reasons, but they will want to fork the coin. They'll want to be on the old fork so they can trade and all that stuff. So therefore, you have to let them. You cannot nuke the old one. This is this is actually one of the core devs made this argument. I think yeah, it's valid. We've learned that. Originally, people were leaning towards this whole idea of nuking the old one so that it was unusable. So if you were left there by accident, you couldn't have, you know, you wouldn't see blocks being made with any transactions. In. It would look like empty blocks, right? So the lack of it would stop. Mm. Uh, but I don't think you can do that anymore because I think it's very clear that there will be who actually want to be on the fork. And who are you to say that they can't do it? So we won't be doing it that way. But yeah, these are the kind of things that need to be discussed uh, yeah. calmly and rationally like adult human beings. And we're just, we're not there yet. Yeah. We're still hurting. Well, you, you can even have it as a calm conversation initially, but like if you ever get to the point where it looks like it might happen and there's people who disagree. It won't be calm. It'll be war it will be war again. So I don't think I don't think we'll ever see a I don't think we'll ever see a hard fork unless it's one out of necessity because of some I don't know, some unique problem within the protocol. But I'm not a dev. I just don't see a hard fork come in. if I do if it does happen, I see two chains and I, which is which and that becomes that whole yeah, it's like the private the privacy issue. That that could become another civil war, but Topic for another day, man. Listen, look, we've uh, we've rattled through two hours here without even trying. Wow, good effort, man. Wow, that's I know. I know, yeah. dude. And we didn't even talk any like anything useful. I think it was all mainly shit. I mean, uh, uh, it was, it was no, mainly I did calm, nuanced intellectual discussion uh, between two people who have no idea what they're talking about. Say, man. <laughs> absolutely. Say, well, listen. Absolutely. Listen, Ross. I do want to say thank you. Um, people won't know that, like privately, you've been messaging me for quite a long time. I know you've followed the show for a long time. Um, bits of advice here or there. So I do want to say thanks for that. Um, that's really appreciated. And it's sad that it's taken this long to get you on. I did want to do it in person because I used to do all of mine in person. I'd never been to Australia, and I thought I, I thought that's where it would happen. But here we are in lockdown world and that's the way we had to do it but look thanks man. yeah when we get to the other side of this you absolutely need to need to come visit it'll be it'll be fantastic we'll do this in person uh with beer because that's mm -hmm. how i think I, I the fuzzy discussions around bitcoin i prefer to be drunk or at least slightly you know somewhere there right you know just with a beer in hand it's always just better um you can follow me on twitter you should follow me at rust it's rusty underscore twit you can google me i'm findable all over the place i work for Blockstream. Um, on Lightning, and um, you can also follow at say Bitcoiners, which is shit Bitcoiners say. Um, but that's only really if you feel you need some kind of insulin shot against the, you know, uh, the, the the straight glucose that you're being fed, drip fed from crypto Twitter about how Bitcoin is going straight to the your citadel or whatever the fuck it's talking about. <laughs> Wicked man. Listen, glad to do this. Like, love talking to you. This is a great episode, man. T stay in touch and yeah, good luck with everything, bro. <laughs> you too. Thanks, Peter. All right. What did you make of that one? 
Now, listen, look, I love Rusty, and he holds some opinions that are definitely not popular amongst some Bitcoiners and, and will probably ruffle some feathers. But this is exactly why I wanted him on the show. Like, I want people to be able to come on the show and talk about anything. And I think it's important to have all types of hard conversations, whether it's discussing toxicity in Bitcoin, but also discussing some of the, like, more, I don't know, contentious topics. I think all of them are important. We all learn from them. And it doesn't really hurt Bitcoin by having those conversations. So I hope you enjoyed this. Anyway, big thanks to Rusty for coming on the show. He would definitely be back on in the future. If you do want to get in touch with me, you can reach out to me. My email address is hello at whatbitcoindid.com. I do reply to anyone. Well, unless you send me some nonsense. But like I do reply to anyone. So do feel free to reach out to me. Outside of that, just loving the fact that people have been listening to the show and giving me reviews on iTunes. If you do have time, it takes like two minutes, but that really helps with the show listings. So if you can do that, thank you very much. Hopefully you think it deserves five star. Also, on my other show, Defiance, which is Defiance.news, episode six about Ghislaine Maxwell is out. And next week, I'm going to be starting my new series about Trump. I hope you enjoy that. I hopefully you will see the path I'm taking on that story. It's going to be a bit different from what I expected to do. But yes, that's coming out soon. Trailer is out today. Outside of that, have a great week and I will see you all soon.